And good morning. It is a Thursday edition of GCR. I am Glenn Clark. Griffin's here. A Thursday appearance from Carson Weekly. We'll have a hack. He is a hack. We'll have that coming up a little bit later on in the program. On the show today, we continue our 40th anniversary celebration of the 1983 World Series champion Orioles. The great Al Bumbry will join us. Also, we'll make a trip to the Bowie Bay Sox and... In just a few minutes, his emotions last night were wonderful. Dale Kowser, who is uh, Colton Kowser's father, I just had the chance to catch up with him a couple of weeks ago on Father's Day, and boy, his emotion was so genuine last night. It was very sweet seeing them uh, shoot up to him in the crowd. Is nice night for Colton, obviously a much-needed night for the Orioles. Dean Kramer, outstanding. I mean, awesome. And they finally came to life, putting up four runs in one inning. Rhino Hearn tacking on a home run as they get a 6-3 victory and a chance to salvage a series split now in the Bronx. Which would go a long way as this thing appeared to be teetering a bit out of control for a minute there. It would go a long way if they get the start from Kyle Bradish, similar to the starts that he's been putting up of late as uh, he pitches the finale tonight against Luis Severino. Um, not a whole lot for me to say other than, like, th- this is the way it's supposed to go. They got runners on base against Vasquez. They they weren't cashing in. You hope that Colton Kowser being the one that came through with the weeks overdue big hit is all that they needed in order to get their offense going. You pray that it just needed to be someone. Now, it's weird that they're not hitting home runs. That's a weird bit. We're not that far removed from an Orioles team that can only hit home runs. It's weird that they can't seem to hit one. And it was I was thinking about that last night. Ryan O'Hearn finally ended the, you know, I say the drought. It's not like they didn't hit home runs the day before. Let me say that. It's not a, it's not a drought. That's unfair because they had two home runs in the, the game before that. But it had been less home runs than we're used to from the Orioles of late. And maybe in particular, not from the guys that are supposed to be hitting the home runs. Might be the better way for me to say it. They were getting home runs from Adam Frazier, but not from Anthony Santander. And it was brought up, remember, when Jim Henneman was here, that for as much as we're all down on Ryan Mountcastle, as much as we believe that he should either just be straight up optioned or if he has to return at at the most he hits against lefties it was brought up by Jim Henneman hey even if he's struggling the threat of him running into a ball changes how pitchers pitch to everyone else the threat that I don't want to have to face Ryan Mountcastle with runners on base because he might hit a home run is relevant. And this lineup, with all due respect to Ryan O'Hearn, as a cleanup hitter, is not as threatening. That's not a 30-home run hitter. That's a guy who's had flashed some real power and obviously is big and, you know, he looks like one of those big effers, those big hairy guys in the middle of the lineup, right, that uh, Earl Weaver would talk about. He looks like that guy. But he's not the same as a dude who's actually done it. 
And this isn't me saying I've changed my tune about Ryan Mountcastle and suddenly I think he should be penciled in the middle of the order no matter what he's doing. It's just interesting to me because it goes back to a scenario that we've had for some time, which is that what's still missing is a true middle-of-the-order bat. And Anthony Santander, when he's at his best, is absolutely that guy. Unquestionably, Anthony Santander is someone that can be a legitimate middle-of-the-order bat. He's not on the high end of of middle-of-the-order bats, but he is a qualified middle-of-the-order bat. But that's one. Where are the others? And I can't remember if it was um, Mayo or if it was Keith Law that we were talking to about this. And I said, hey, is is it enough power? With If you move on from Kobe Mayo, do you have enough power in a future lineup with Santander and Kerstad in the middle of the order? And he said, yeah, because you're also going to get power from other places. And I get what he was saying, which is that Gunnar Henderson's going to hit some home runs and Adley Rutschman's going to hit some home runs and insert name here, they're all going to hit some home runs, and there's truth to that. Like, he's not wrong. There's a little bit of power kind of throughout that order. But there has to be threats in the middle of the order to allow for the guys that are in front of them to get better pitches. Or to give the guys behind them more opportunities with runner on base because they're getting walked. And right now I do think that's been evident in the Orioles' offensive struggles. That the middle of the order is not feared. How could it be? Even the home run that O'Hearn hit last night, like, come on, let's not kid ourselves. I know that we can't do the Would It Dong app anymore because Twitter is yeah. is just the – it is it is the single worst per- – Every time I think about the NBA, they are so. I, there was a report this morning about the NBA. They've decided that the um, in-season tournament's going to happen, like the championship's going to be in Vegas, and the semifinal stats will count, but the championship stat—it's just the dumbest thing ever. And I'm like, boy, man, I imagine sitting in the NBA offices and being like, "Hey, Elon Musk is proving if you give something we don't want, we're just going to love it." I mean, Twitter is garbage. It was also interesting to me, I saw a tweet last night, I don't remember where it started, but somebody said, is it fascinating that no one's trying to save it? It's interesting that, like, the, we all know that this is the dude's incompetence, right? Like, well, this is save it? That somebody else steps in and says, guy, Twitter is too important to us. We've done enough business on here that we're not going to let you run it into the ground. Either we're going to attempt to partner with you or we're going to attempt to buy it from you or he's, something. He's just we're not say, going to let you wreck Twitter. He's just going to say $50 million or whatever. How much did he buy it for? He bought it for $44 billion. Yeah. Billion. Oh right. My God. But okay, he's yeah. not so going to get that. Dollars. That's over. Twitter's dead. He can't recoup $44 billion. The only thing he can hope for is to save it to make it more viable as an entity, which is over. It's over, Jack. Even if all these other things suck. And the fascinating theory is that what started as Elon Musk's incompetence, which, again, has gone wildly underreported in the history of it, when we just accepted he was some sort of genius because we didn't realize that all he was doing was spending his parents' money on things that other people had developed. We just thought, like idiots, that he was some sort of brilliant man. He was this scientist of some sort. He's incompetent. He's an idiot. And what started as his incompetence might now, the theory that was floated out was that the people with power are cool 
with an entity dying that had given other people power. Like, Twitter became a rallying place for people to go to campaign against something or to fight against, you know, corporations or whatever. And that these corporations are saying, you know what? We're good. We'll just be okay with keeping our power. And that's why no one is trying to step in to save Twitter. It's unbelievable how so many people are just willing to watch this thing die. I think they're waiting for you to... It sure as hell ain't me. I don't have any power. I can't do it. I, it's fascinating that no one, there's no one on the planet, none, all of these rich effers are just sitting around like, yeah, go ahead, die. Let this thing that became more than an app and, and, and far more of like a piece of our cultural, it was a cultural touchstone. It, they're just, it was an institution, frankly. Yeah. And they're just sort of saying, no, nah, we're cool. It's going to die. We're all right with that. We'll live. There can be 80 different social medias and none of them will have the reach and none of them will have the same audience. And, you know, some people are going to go to threads, which apparently stinks. Some people are going to go to spill. Some people are going to go to bluegrass. Some people are going to go to the, the rumble and well, all these the, the right-leaning things. Like, while, while and we'll just live with it. While we're on the topic, did you happen to change your password or is the site just down right oh, now? Oh, no. We, had to, we, had, uh, we got hacked. Oh, we did? We got hacked. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, we got, uh, again, just a magical application, this yeah, thing is. Yeah. Just an unbelievable. I went 10 years without ever having an issue, and then in the last three months, I think we've been hacked eight times. I mean, just because we won't pay, right? Like, like the point being, he's essentially saying, if you, if you don't want to be hacked, you have to pay. Because he's still holding out the idea that, like, Twitter can be a thing that people pay for. When everybody is making it abundantly clear... We will watch this thing die before we pay for it. We're, it's it's the newspaper business. It's the newspaper industry that realized they made a mistake by giving away all the newspapers online, and then they were like, "Well, wait a second. Now nobody's subscribing to newspapers anymore because they can just go online and read everything for free." They're like, "Well, no, we know what we'll do. We'll just charge people for it." There's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube. Once somebody's had something for free, they're not going to pay for it. They're not going to do it. It's over. It doesn't work that way. You can give someone a free trial if they understand. It's not Disney Plus did that. They said during the pandemic, if you want to try out Disney Plus, we'll let you try it out. But understand, it. this ain't going to continue. You're trying it out because you know you're going to have to pay for it. When you tell somebody something's free forever and then you change your mind, now I'm. it's not worth as much to me. You depreciated the value of what it is that you're bringing. There's nothing about Twitter that's worth paying for. You would say, well, but what about the audience? It's gone. It's over, Jack. People going look at, what was it, 600 tweets, 800 tweets a day? I don't know how they're going to do that. That's not, there's no way. There's no way that stays. Anyway, I don't know how I got off on that tangent. Um, I was talking about Twitter. I was talking about the the Orioles um, lineup and the lack of power. Yes, the dong thing is the what lack happened. Of power on Twitter, yeah. No, it was the dong thing. Yeah. The fact that that app won't allow you. You're not allowed to have that app anymore, which everybody loved and was great, but is not allowed to exist any longer. Um, Rhino Hearn, I believe I saw that home run would have only been out of two ballparks, hmm. which yeah. makes a, a lot of sense. That was like I mean, a was, proper porching right there. Yeah, I mean, that was a Yankee Stadium special, right? Like, that's that's a just a joke of a stadium where a pop fly can be a home run. doesn't mean... It might have been a double in most places. I don't think that that ball would have been caught 
in most stadiums, but it wasn't going to be a home run overwhelmingly in most stadiums. So even Reinhard Hearn's home run last night, it's kind of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge thing. Like, yeah, he had a home run, but come on, we all know what that was. And I'm not trying to be down on Ryan O'Hearn as much as I'm saying Ryan O'Hearn just doesn't strike fear into the hearts of opposing pitchers. How could he? There's no track record that that suggests that you have to fear Ryan O'Hearn in the middle of an order. Somebody's got a bad cleanup right now, and the Orioles don't have a lot of great options. It's an interesting spot. And look, none of this is new. This didn't suddenly happen. It just struck me last night as I was thinking about what Jim Henneman had talked about with Ryan Mountcastle and the fact that a Ryan Mountcastle decision has to be made in the next couple of days. Might be today. Is today the day that the Mountcastle decision has to be made? Is today the the 20-day marker? Because it was, what, like the 20th of June or something? Was that when Mm, he came back? That wouldn't make 20 days yet, if that's the case. That would only be like 17 probably by the end of the week. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the date is, um, where it has to be made. But there's, it's it's coming. It's it's absolutely coming that they've got to make a decision on Ryan Mountcastle, and I don't think it's. I, I don't think there's nothing to Jim Henneman's argument because I think we're seeing that of late with the lack of home run production in the middle of the Orioles' order. All that said, it was nice they put an inning together. It was nice that Bowers couldn't catch a fly ball to left field. That helped. Not trying to take anything away from Jordan Westberg. That would have been a hell of a play if he had made it. It was a well-struck ball. And they've had some bad luck of late. Like the first at-bat from Kowser last night was screaming at about 1,000 miles an hour. Just so happened to be that they read it perfectly, shifted exactly where they should be. It was an out. You deserve some good luck every now and then. Deserve to have a runner come home from third base on a ball that was barely past the pitcher's mound and get some luck. You deserve some good luck every now and then. Ryan O'Hearn's home run was some good luck, right? That's not a home run in most places. They got some good luck last night. They deserve some of that. And, of course, Dean Kramer was outstanding in his final start of the first half. No... They have not announced starters yet for this weekend. And I think there are people that are wondering, there would be a scenario by which you could get Grayson Rodriguez a start. He could pitch on Sunday if you felt so inclined. I'm interested in what they're going to choose to do there. Obviously, you're going to have Gibson and Wells make starts this weekend in Minnesota. The question is, what do you do with the other one? And you can just go back to Cole Irvin for the sake of going back to him on Friday night. Like, that's your choice. And I, Oh, you know what? Now I forgot. They didn't have a day off this week, so they don't really have a choice, do they? They kind of have to have yeah. Irvin start him. Piss. Take, strike it from the record. Strike it from the record. I, I did my math wrong. They didn't have a day off this week. They have no choice. Everybody's pitched. They're going to have to have Irvin pitch on Friday. So I guess they're not going to have Grayson Rodriguez pitch this weekend. But then that becomes interesting. How do they handle that with Grayson Rodriguez? And do they are they choosing to bring him up after the All Star break? And if they are, do they want to have him pitch again, or do they want to give him? They want to use this as an opportunity to kind of get caught up on the innings issue. Do they say, "Hey, you've done everything you need to do. You'll be back up there after the break." Ugh, another Cole Irvin start. God, 
Rock Kubako, Kubako did tweet out the projected start, the probable starters for the weekend. So you had his Bradish for today. Right? Well, yeah, yeah, we know, yeah, we know that. Today, yes. And then Irvin tomorrow. It would have to be Irvin tomorrow because, again, they didn't have a day, day off this week. And then Wells yes, and Gibson. Yes, Wells and Gibson, right. Um, no, and they don't really, again, they didn't have a choice. I don't know. I started talking and didn't think about the fact they don't have a choice. No, have I was a, yeah. I was doing my my math, forgetting it was a four-game series and there wasn't an off day. Because they haven't played the last, you know, seven everything. Days. It's yeah. correct. They haven't, boy, God. They have not had a week with four games and seemingly forever. But no, they don't have, they have no choice here. They have to run that out there. Um, unless they wanted to skip. That would be the more interesting part is if they wanted to skip. They couldn't. Well, they know this. They off day. They still couldn't do it. They, so it's Wells on Saturday, Gibson on Sunday. Yep. So they they have no choice. They have yep. absolutely no choice. It wouldn't work out for them to skip Wells either. Well, just worry about that eventually. Just worry about that some other time. Hopefully, you get seven innings out of Dean Kramer every time. Hopefully, yeah. you get seven Dean, innings Dean out of Dean great. Kyle Bradish tonight. Hopefully, you get. You know. I, I, I got into a really fascinating conversation last night on Twitter. My buddy Zach Seidel from UMBC tweeted out, I think the thing that a few people have thought about, which is, you know, like Yanir Cano, as you see him again last night, kind of struggle. You got to go get him after he gives up the home run. He doesn't get out of the inning. And I feel like there's a lot of us that have started to feel like it's not, Maybe Yanir Cano really isn't a high-level late-inning reliever. Maybe he's a guy. And if that's the case, the argument is that it's sort of like Jorge Lopez a year ago, that in the Orioles' maximize value world and what the Tampa Bay Rays would do, you try to maximize the value and move on from Yenir Cano when everyone else believes he's the guy that we saw at the beginning of the season. He's an all-star caliber pitcher, and you know in your heart he's just a guy who had an unbelievable month, and you try to maximize that. And I understand the thought process, and we were tweeting about it for a little while. I think factually it might be accurate that you will never have the value in Yenir Cano that you have at the moment. On the flip side, you simply can't do it. You simply can't do it because you don't have enough innings in you. There's there's no one else that you can... Yanir Cano is shaky as hell and is still your second most reliable reliever. Arguably the fourth or fifth most reliable arm on the team. You can't do it. And it's it's a statement about the problem that faces them in trying to be, if they're not going to be a team that constantly goes out and spend money, and trying to be the next Tampa, as John Angelos put it earlier this year, that you have to have insane amounts of depth in order to be the next Tampa. And the argument might be, well, the way that you create depth is by spinning one overvalued asset for three undervalued assets and create three valued assets in the future. Understandable but you can't do it while you're trying to win. I don't know what Yanir Cano is ultimately going to be. He's definitely not the guy, but that's an absurd standard. He was unhittable. Like, no one can be that guy. That's impossible. Do I think he's the guy that pitched to a 165 whip in June? 
I don't think so. Fight how bullpen is though. Sometimes you know, I, guys are like this, and it's just correct. about man. It's about it, managing. at some point. It really just becomes: Can you give me an inning? Can yeah. you get me? I, is it possible that he's never going to be a true eighth inning stopper? Yeah, that's possible. That might just be what it has to be this year: is who right now can give me innings till we can. Yeah, get who do you till trust? Till we get to Batista. Who do you trust the most? Who's, who who yeah. are the matchups the best for? And try to yeah. go from there. And hope that at some point. You finally figure out what the what what you, what DL Hall is. Hope that you get something back from Dylan Tate and Michael Givens moving forward. But at this point, Perez been encouraging though. I he like had that. been until he got hurt. So I, I, I don't, mean, know. Yeah, I don't but know. We got some, know. we got time to recover. I from that, I, though. I hope, but I don't think anybody would say you're ready for him to be the eighth inning guy. I don't think that's the case yet. No, I don't certainly think so not. either. Hey, today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Hey, Griffin, do me a favor. Were there other uh, logs on the printer this morning, too? Yeah, go grab those for me, if you would. Uh, these are not are no good. That's okay, though. It's quite all right, and I appreciate that. All right, um, what a night it was last night in New York. A spectacular evening as not only did the Orioles get a win, but what a special night it was for the Kowser family as Colton Kowser not only made his debut, but came up massive in that debut. Much needed clutch hit to get the offense going. Joining us now, I had the chance to catch up with him a couple of weeks ago as um, we were doing a special show on Father's Day, and I his energy... His emotion was so real to me, and it was neat to see him enjoying himself last night in the Bronx. He is Colton Kowser's father, Dale, and he is with us now here on GCR. Dale, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's good to chat with you again. Thank you for taking the time for us, and congratulations on a special night. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, it's a fun evening. Dale, can you put it into words, right? Like all, this journey that you and your family have been on, um, to, to see it come to fruition, to see him have that moment, can you put into words what it was like for you? Wow. Um, probably not. Uh, it, it, it's been a whirlwind uh, 24, 36 hours for sure. I mean, we didn't really have any inclination that Colton was going to be uh, called up uh, until literally the night that uh, he sent us a, a text uh, that said uh, I was a late scratch from the you know, Norfolk lineup. Not sure exactly what that means. Um not reading anything into it, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we said, okay, well, enjoy your night, be a cheerleader, you know, <clears throat> you know, support your teammates. And that was about it. You know, my wife was cleaning out a, a closet in the house and I was sitting there watching Norfolk on TV and, and, uh, um, you know, we were dog sitting our friend's dog and it was just a very normal, normal evening. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, phone rings after the game and <clears throat> Colton had a three way call with my, me and my wife. And then, uh, his brother and his wife in Dallas. And he said, well, can y'all get to New York by tomorrow? <laughs> We're going, well, hell yeah. Yeah. We'll right. figure it out, you know? <laughs> right. well, was it a planes, and, trains uh, and automobile? Were you able to get a direct flight in or did you have to like, you know, hop? We did. It was okay. a crazy night. My wife and I literally did not sleep. Uh, <laughs> whatever night it was Tuesday night. I mean, we had to make so many arrangements in a very short amount of time and certainly not complaining. We, we would have done, <laughs> we'll do it again right now, but it was, it was like, you know, here it is, you know, nine 30, 10 o'clock in Houston. And we have a seven-year-old Great Dane who we needed to get someone to to watch our dog. We we were actually dog-sitting a friend's dog, and they're in Myrtle Beach. So we're going, like, we got to do something with 
with Trooper, their dog, you know. <laughs> so we, it was, uh, then we had to find flights. And, and uh, um, yeah, we actually didn't go to bed that night. And, and uh, um, it was crazy. But, yeah, we, got, we were able to get 6 a.m. flights out of Houston to, direct to uh, here to LaGuardia and, and uh, got settled in the hotel. And, and uh yeah, it was it was crazy twenty four hours, but it was well worth it. So the the emotions obviously of him, you know, taking his first at bat, and boy, he got robbed on that one, didn't he? Um, the emotions of seeing him yeah. in the field, but but the emotions of the big hit, like that moment. I, I don't know, you know, like I, I I watch my kids be born, right? I don't I don't think they're ever going to be big leaguers. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But boy, it, how do you compare the emotion of First major league game, absolutely massive hit. Can you possibly describe that to us? No, you know I was a nervous wreck because uh, you know there's a lot out there about Colton's uh, lefty on lefty, you know matchups, and of course they're throwing a good lefty at him. And but I could also tell I've known my son, of course his whole life. That's kind of stupid, <laughs> but uh, I've seen him play a, I've seen him play a whole lot of baseball. Put it that way, thousands and thousands of bats, and I was. You know, concerned about the nerves walking into, you know, Yankee Stadium for your debut. But I could tell, as anyone that knows Colton play the game, that from his first minute I saw him on the field, he wasn't nervous at all. Yeah, you could tell he was pretty locked in. And uh, when he spit, when he hit that ball straight up the middle to Volpe, I knew he was pretty locked in at the plate. And so, um, yeah, so when that first hit, when the opportunity came for the – for the base knock and and he was he was locked in you could tell he was he was uh seeing the ball pretty well last night so um the fact that he hung the slider the fact that he was able to, to to put a barrel on the ball to right field uh i wasn't all that surprised although in the moment it was like oh wow what just happened you mm-hmm. know it was really really cool it was really really cool and it was one that and then, team- of course my phone Blew oh. up after that. By the way, every time they cut you it seemed like you were getting another text after that point oh my god i i think i Someone, I have 80 texts last night. It, yeah. was, it was pretty crazy. I can only imagine. What What did you guys, you know, what did you talk about after the game? What did you say? What is that conversation like after the game? Well, you know, I was just really proud of him. One thing else, I think uh, uh, my wife and I and his brother and my sister's here, and we were all waiting, waiting for him down in, they call it the family room, and we were waiting, and he walked in the door, and, of course, we all gave him a big hug and told him we were proud of him. But, um you know, it was a great conversation. All of all I can say, we really haven't had time. He and I to sit down and just kind of talk a little bit. He, um, I haven't seen him this morning. And last night after the game, we came back to the hotel, and uh, we he has a really really close friend group that uh, and college roommates that all flew up. So they were all in the hotel waiting for him, and uh, had about an hour in the hotel uh, restaurant and bar here, and uh, had a, had a shared a few laughs and a few hugs and, and, uh, and some pizza and some hot wings and, cool. and uh, you know, and just had a good time with his friends. I didn't want to get in the way of that. You know, no. his, uh, his friend group is very, 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 very important to him and very special to him. And they're, they're very important as to why he is where he is today because they keep him very grounded. So I wanted him to be able to enjoy that moment with his friends and his brother and, and, and those people. That's awesome. Dale so Kowser. At, at some point, at some point we'll have that conversation though. Oh, okay. So, do you, do you, are you the type? Are you an advice person? Are you someone who's like, all right, yeah, but you could have done this better? Like, how are you as a, do you, or do you stay completely away from? Wow, it? I know it's funny. It's funny you said that. Me, me and his uh, older brother Ty, we always say that we're his harshest critics and his biggest fans. Yeah, you know, 
So that's kind of where we're at. I mean, uh, we're not afraid to let him know that, you know, if, if we, we know him well enough to, but we don't really have to tell him that, you know, he had a port bat or, you know, whatever. And, and uh, he, he knows, like I said, I, I don't need to say anything. I'm to the point now where I really don't say much to him about the, the, uh, what do you say? The bad stuff, so to speak. I just try to encourage him and hug his neck and tell him we're proud of him and uh, keep being himself. You know, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, the game is, the game's meant to be fun, and he has fun doing it. And, and uh, you could just tell us out on the field he was taking it all in. But when the lights came on, it was like, it's go time. Let's get, let's get it, you know. We're, you're chatting with Dale Cowser, Colton's father, after uh, Colton's Major League debut last night. Uh, Dale, a couple of things. One, you mentioned friends. And we have seen the relationships that Colton has developed with other guys in this organization. Uh, you know, Jordan Westberg obviously stands out significantly. And it was a neat moment, them sharing an interview after the game last night. Have you gotten a sense, like, have, I don't know if you've been able as a family to, to get to know any of these guys, but to see Colton come up with, with friends and to have those relationships, how special has that been for you to see how that's developed within this Orioles organization? Yeah, I think that's, that's a really, really good point. I'll say one thing that, that Mike Elias has done, in my opinion, is he's really um, gone after and drafted just high-character, mature kids. And and that draft class with Colton, uh, the John Rose, the Dante Williams, the Connor Norbys, that group um, have become very very close. It's almost like a college, I'm not going to say fraternity, but it's they're, they're they're very very close. Those that group of guys that were drafted together. I'm doing you throw Kobe Mayo. They kind of adopted, you know, because he was a high school draft. The but they kind guy, of adopted yeah. him because he's progressed. Yeah. yeah, he's kind of progressed with that group. But that group is very very close. Uh, in fact, I got text messages last night from Kobe's father. I have John Rhodes' father. Um, you know, uh, we, we were, and even the parents have become some of them. my wife is, you know, of course, friends with Gunner's mom and wow. Kobe's mom and, and, and Connor's mom. They, they keep in touch together. And so that group has become very, very close. But that, that's credit to Michael Elias because he, he really drafted a lot of really, really, really good kids that are really high character and hardworking kids. And that group is very, very close. And then, uh, of course, he's progressed the system. He's become, you know, close with with Gunner and 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 Vavra and 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 Westberg especially, and those guys. He's so it's progressed the system. But yeah, I, that's a full credit to Michael Elias and and uh, Brad Selig and that 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 crew. They've done a phenomenal job. We've had a number of opportunities to chat with Colton over the years, and and I, I think the word that comes to mind is quirky, right? Like he's 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 into so many interesting things and. I think everybody knows about the Star Wars stuff, and uh, I think there was a story recently <laughs> where we learned about him singing along to Frozen songs, things like that. Yeah. I, I, do, do, you, do you feel like those quirks have been good for him in staying grounded, in not being obsessed maybe with baseball and keeping like strong, good you know, mental health to have other interests and other things that he's into as well? thousand percent. I think you just hit the nail right on the head. Colton has always said to me that it's just a game. And, and he's always said to me that you can't let my daily successes or failures affect your, your mental health, your, your moods. Because for a while it did. You know, if he had a bad game, I had a bad day. You know, and, and he taught me that you can't, you can't let my success, because that is just baseball. Hmm. There's going to be bad days and good days. It, there's going to be good days and bad days. That's the way it works. It's baseball. There's 162 games. You can't have them all good. And that's just the way it works. It's a game of failure. And he has been able to find, um, uh, uh, stay fairly grounded, I think, what you just said, but 
whether it's Legos or whether it's a spring group or if it's whether it's going out to the lake and chilling for the day or just to get his mind at ease, you know, um, to take his mind away from baseball because he's, he's pretty good at just saying it's, it's just a game and let's have some fun, you know. And he's just, you know, has the God-given ability through hard work and a lot of people mentoring him to have a lot of success on the field. I, I think it's really cool. I think it's and I think it's cool that other guys have embraced it too, right? Like I love the the Lego building competition that the guys. Yeah, have. I mean, I don't I don't see this quirkiness. That's just for me. It's really funny people talking about his quirkier personality because my wife and I are like, that's just Colton. That's not quirky. Right. That's Colton. Right. That's what we've seen since he was born. You know, and and um, I've never seen that. I've never seen that as quirky until I guess recently when I read about it. Sure. And I, and sure. I kind of go, well, I, I guess it's quirky, but that's just. The way Colton's always been, he's always been a guy who's who's played baseball for uh, taking the sport very, very serious, but he's also not taking it too serious. You know, it's, it's make it a game and play the game, and and when keeping some perspective, I guess you could say. No, I, I think we but should. Yeah, I, I think we should normalize it. To your point, like I think that the attitude should be: this is everybody. It's good to have hobbies. It's good to have things that you don't obsess over the thing that you do for a living constantly. It's good. That's a healthy yeah, he, thing. Yeah, he doesn't should... obsess about – if he has an over 5 game with three punches, he doesn't sit in front of the mirror and practice a swing all night. Right, right. He just he, – he, he, he does his night routine. He drinks a bottle of water. He probably plays some 2048 on his phone or <laughs> puts a Lego together or uh, – yeah, I mean, that's what he does. He, does. he doesn't obsess about hitting. You know, he's, I know I can hit, but – Everybody has bad nights. That's the way it works. No, I think you know? I think it's extraordinarily healthy, and I think it's I think I think to the point. It, it really does jump out at me as part of why he is so grounded and why he's been able to, you know, it, baseball. It, everybody talks about it, right, uh, Dale? Like baseball is a game where you're going to fail more than you're going to succeed, right? Like of all the sports that exist, you're going to have to go through more nights where, to your point, you go zero for five, and you got to be able to move on from it. And I think it's incredibly. Yeah, important. I mean, he, he never obsesses about one night to the next. He has yeah. a really unique ability to not. To really, and I'll give a lot of credit to his uh, his college coach Matt Beggs, uh, who's at uh, Lafayette now. He his freshman year, he he said, you know, he he gave a little parent talk, and he goes, "Man, if, if that guy strikes you out in the first inning, guess what? I'm going to see thirty minutes, and I'm going to get you the next time. Mm-hmm. So forget about it and move on, you know. And and it's just kind of what he's always been ingrained in his head a little bit. Um, I, you know, I, I love it. I really do. I really love it. And it makes them all the, and it, it uh, by the way, it's also neat to have other things to talk about when you have an interview with somebody. It's neat to have, uh, other things oh. that we can chat about. And I've always appreciated that over the years. Um, so well, our, it's our, funny. We just, uh, we just, uh, we, we just, uh, re, uh, his millennial, his, uh, 7,500 piece millennial Falcon was sitting in his brother's bedroom <laughs> and uh, at our house and, um, on his dresser and it's uh, quite large and quite heavy. And, my wife and I took on the endeavor of um, we have a grandbaby coming in October, so we wanted to redo <clears throat> my older son's bedroom and to make it a little bit more of a user-friendly room to put a crib in and things like that. So we totally renovated his bedroom uh, over the last five days um, before we came up here, actually. We just finished. But we had to move that Millennial Falcon out of that room, and <laughs> that was Colton's biggest concern was like when Where I told him we were going to redo Ty's room. He, <laughs> oh, yeah, when we told him we were going to redo Ty's room, he goes, what about the Falcon? I'm going <laughs> – Dude, it's got to move. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, and 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 so my wife and I literally, she was almost crying as we were moving it through the house because it was moving so much. We're going, we can't drop this thing. Oh. You know? So we we ended up getting a piece of plywood and sitting on the piece of plywood and sliding it on it and then moving it to our, now it's sitting in our dining room table as the centerpiece. 
So we'll be uh, eating around the millennial falcon for Thanksgiving to come, you know. That's, that's so awesome. That is so great. I love, I, I'm telling you, you know, it gets a couple more hits. All of a sudden, you're going to be half tempted to put the thing on eBay because it's going to be worth about a billion dollars. So, oh. <laughs> well, I'm not sure how I could ship it because uh, it, it, it ain't happening. <laughs> that's so great. Uh, Dale Kowser, so so is it a is it a road trip? Like, how long do you stay on the road with him before you got to go back to normal life? And you know, he's he's got to do his <laughs> life. <laughs> we're, we're definitely winging it. I mean, Mark, we were uh, when this, you know, we got the call. He was coming up. We don't know how long he's going to be up. We don't know if he's going to be up for the rest of the season or a few weeks. Or we have no idea. They're such a talented team, and they're playing so well. Uh, we don't know how long he's going to be up, but we're going to enjoy the ride while we can. So, with that being said, we made the impromptu decision to go from. Uh, Houston to, to New York, and we're here. And then uh, while we're sitting in the stands last night, we literally booked Book. a flight to Minneapolis. Oh, that's great. And so we're flying to uh, Minnesota tomorrow and for that three-game set. And then uh, from there, that's the only plan we really have. So after we get home from Minnesota uh, for the All-Star break, we'll decide. Uh, we would love, we would absolutely love for him to be able and us to be in the stands at, at Camden Yards when he makes his home debut. I think that'd be oh. really cool. Oh, that'd uh, be special. Whether, Rather than hear the boos of the Yankees fans, hear the cheers of the, the Camden Yards. That would be a lot of fun. So, uh, we'll see if we get back to Camden at the uh, at the uh, first home stand there. But we're definitely just kind of winging. I'm retired. I'm very fortunate. My wife's retired. So we're fortunate to have a lot of flexibility in, in our travel schedule and so forth. So we're, uh, we're just kind of winging it. Dale, if that happens, let us know. We'll make sure we take you out for uh, seafood while you're in town, all right? That's a, that's, that's <laughs> a promise, it. all right? We got a spot we'll I get you to. That. We'll make it happen. Uh, at Cal's That's Padre awesome. uh, with a Z, at Cal's Padre on Twitter is how you follow him. Dale Kowser, uh, really, really special night, man. Really appreciate you hopping on with us and spending some time talking about it. Uh, may, may there be about a million more. Maybe we may, may we be chatting the morning after a World Series title uh, here in the next man, couple that would be of years. That would be awesome. Appreciate you, sir. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. Dale Kowser, that's fun. He's got the Millennium Falcon at the centerpiece of the dining room table. They're going to sit down for Thanksgiving dinner, and they're going to be sitting around the Millennium Falcon, a 7,500-piece Lego uh, toy that Dale, that Colton Cowser put together. Yeah, I'm pretty jealous. It's not be. my world, man, but I, look, I said before, just because something isn't my thing doesn't mean I don't think it's cool. I like that people have things that they're into. It's okay that what you're into isn't what I'm into, unless it's, you know, Unless it's actually actively hurting something, like that's not cool. Let's not, like, Good. like unless what you're into is racism, up. and then I'm yeah. not going to agree with that sentiment. But whatever you're into, doesn't hurt me. God bless you. Go ahead and be into it. There was a kid. Oh my god. You all right over there? Uh, I think I'm all right. There was a kid in my grade, and I think it was like fourth or fifth grade, and that kid had the Lego Death Star. Wow. Yeah. Everybody, well, was, everyone what, wanted to so be him. So, what is it that they're working? Because he told us early in the year what it is they're working on. Oh, this he year. said the new, uh, the Mandalorian. I forget what it's the Razor right. Crest. The Razor Crest. The is, Razor is Crest. The ship okay. from the Mandalorian. And it was and it was a race between he and Gunner. I believe so. It was. It sounded like it was a little bit less formal, just because they were, you know, they're in different different, different places. places now. Um, but I know Gunner. But said he said that they were like ahead. sending Gunner. Yeah, they were sending like pictures and stuff, weren't yeah. they? Like, I think Gunner said he was way ahead yesterday, didn't he? Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. All right. And he was like, "You're never gonna catch me." <laughs> I mean. <laughs> 
probably probably true. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know who has time to do what. Right. Like, are, are, do the bus trips at the minor league level prevent you from having the same amount of time to do that type Man, of stuff as, you know, nice chartered flights at the <laughs> major league level? I could see where, from a, a sheer time Gunner standpoint. Pro- Gunner just had this, you know, 10-game homestand, too. So. It's true. Yeah. It does help. It does help. That was neat. Uh, very neat, and obviously a very special night last night in New York. All right, uh, still a lot to do. Um, when we come back in, uh, oh, also, uh, speaking of things, so I was wrong about the idea that they could skip somebody. Also, it was pointed out to me, I the, the, the website that I was reading from about the Gold Cup, the Gold Cup does not do semifinals on back-to-back days. I have no idea w- what this website was that said that. They do have games on back-to-back days on Saturday and Sunday, but it's, it's like the quarters. The, it's the round of eight, yes. Oh, okay. And then the semifinals and then the final. The semifinals are like next Wednesday. The final is next the following weekend. Okay. So All right. whatever this website was that I was reading Normal from was soccer way rest. off. So I did. A, I, I needed. I needed more live ombudsman. I need a what do they used to call Tony Stat Boy when uh, Tony Reale was on. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Pardon the interruption. Yeah. I need. So it's on me. I haven't watched Pardon me. I don't know. Tony Reale might still be on Pardon the interruption. I don't think, he, I don't think he does interruption. I have no idea. Um, but I need a I need a stat boy for those moments to clean those things up because the website that I got it from and I, I we'll we'll have a segment at the very end of the show where yeah. we be like what did Glenn get o- wrong omissions yeah, correct yeah, yes the errors correct um, yeah I screwed that up and I feel like there was somebody somebody else messaged me about and I was like oh but I've already forgotten what that was so we'll just move on from it anyway <laughs> anyway the moral of the story is I'm an idiot yay still to come today. Trip to Bowie, Al Bumbry, that's all on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Mm. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of AJ Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one 800 gambler all electronic tolling is here to stay in maryland and driveeasymd.com helps you cruise a little easier we're maryland's tolling resource home to easy pass pay by plate and video tolling it's never been easier to pay your way driveeasymd.com will keep you moving the orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball hi i'm paul valley host of the bat around for press box tune in every saturday from 10 a.m to noon as zach goodman and i break down every adley bomb every tony tater and every save from the mountain like a warm hug from rutchman the bat around has you covered with all things orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in birdland so tune in every saturday for the best in orioles coverage right here on the bat around Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. It starts on the 14th with our big hitter bobblehead, Connor Norby, for the first 750 fans. Saturday sees our special circus night with post-game fireworks. And Sunday features the Kobe Mayo Squish Pillow with special ticket package. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Thursday edition of the program. Carson, you want to tease your hack that's coming up a little uh, bit later on? Yeah, it could be very helpful during these summer storms if your power goes out. Okay. All right. That's Good. all you're going to tell us? Yeah, I'm, I'll, that's all, I'll leave it at that. Good tease. Okay. Right. I, don't, I don't know how I feel so about see that. How, uh, I don't know. We'll see how that And it's goes. cheap as well. It's very cheap. It's cheap. It's cheap. It'll probably cost you ninety nine cents. Cheap and as it, and it's it can like last you or? like. Oh, okay. It'll probably cost you ninety nine cents, and it could last. Yeah, a long, a long time. Uh, all right, all right. I have no idea. I have no clue. But there you go. That's uh, coming up a little bit later on. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that the in season NBA tournament, December seventh and 9th in Vegas. <laughs> The semifinals, the the stats from that game count. For whatever reason, the championship game does not. It's mind-numbing. Mind-numbing. Um, I, I have argued that there's just no way... I say argued. I, I don't need to argue it. No one cares. No one does. I don't have to argue about it. Collectively, this is a... A yawn and a half. The only thing that could have made this interesting is playing the event at a unique location. The NBA would argue that Vegas is a unique location. And they might argue, in order for us to get buy-in from the players involved, we have to get it somewhere where they'd say, all right, I'll go spend a weekend in Vegas, fine. Otherwise, why would any of the real players participate in this thing? Why wouldn't they all collectively say, that'll be a good week for me to handle load management? So the NBA's argument would be, we got to do it in Vegas. Now, they might have been more, like maybe Hawaii would have been a better option. But they would argue, we've got to go somewhere that's appealing for the players to say, I'll take a five-day trip to this location Otherwise, every single one of them would have gone to their teams and said, a fake tournament in December? Nah. Nah. Go ahead and let the rookies go out and do that. Bet James Harden's going to go, though. 
Well, any I hear what you're saying, but he's I, definitely gonna want to go. He's not the only one. Let's not pretend like James Harden's the only guy no. that would go enjoy a weekend. I get what you mean, but plenty of other guys. All the guys that are at Michael Rubin's party the other day are probably going to be willing to go spend a couple days in Vegas. Now, I say that I still think it'll be fascinating. Like if, if for whatever stupid reason the Warriors are in this thing, and you're Steph Curry and you're 36 years old, why are you gonna try? Why? Yeah. Why would you ever participate in something like this? And it's why it's so insanely stupid. Imagine signing up to play extra games at a time where you can't get the players to play in the real games. This is so insanely... I mean, it's just mind-numbingly stupid. I also don't know how many people... Like, all right, Glenn, like, if Phoenix was in it, or you're not watching it? No, I I agree. I don't... Not I don't think I don't think I'm gonna watch it. Not a chance in hell. Not a chance in hell that you can get me to. Would you watch it, Griff? If, if the Wizards were in, and in fact, it's it? the yeah. it's the it's the exact the, the Wizards. Win, it would require them having to win a game. Um, yeah, yeah, the Wizards are in it. Yeah. The, the, let me go a step beyond. As a fan, if Kevin Durant was participating in this, I would be beside myself. Are the regular season games going to be going on the same time as this? I would like, assume that for a few days they take it off, but the, the, nobody cares about the NBA in the beginning of exactly, December. Yeah, exactly. No so, one cares. Yeah, I'm, I'm football there are, at that point. You're still football big time. By the way, at that point, uh, December 7th or 9th, let me... So wait, there's... So football the is almost like pe- peaking. Or uh, that's like the that's, month, you know... That's probably not conference championship weekend. I, let me do the. It's probably the weekend after uh, conference will championship that be Army weekend. Navy weekend. Would be Army Navy weekend is okay. exactly when it would be. It'd be the Thursday and Saturday of Army Navy weekend. Now, one, n- not the entire country doesn't care about Army Navy the way that we care regionally mm-hmm. about Army Navy, but it, it is a big deal. It's also the Heisman Trophy night, and so this might be ESPN trying. If ESPN is the partner, I don't know if it's ESPN or Turner. They might be trying to line this up for the championship to be what they put on right after the Heisman Trophy because they've always struggled. I I, I know this is a weird thing for me to know about, but like they have always struggled with finding something to put on after the Heisman. They tried making that a thirty for thirty. Remember when they did the U thirty for thirty? They line that up to be Heisman Trophy into the U thirty for thirty. It's a great one, by the it way. It was a very good one. I no, really liked it. No that one. question, it was a very good one. But you can't get one of those ever. You can't always. So then they were trying boxing as the thing for afterwards, and you just can't. There's not enough carryover, and they're not getting enough big stars on those boxing cars to make people care. They have always struggled with knowing they've got a big audience for the Heisman Trophy thing. How do they keep that audience around? And this might be their answer for that is, well, we'll make it the championship of that tournament. And we think it'll be the only thing that matters. Now, it's also a time of year where you still have really good non-conference basketball, college right, basketball yeah, games exactly thinking, right. like that weekend. That. That's the part of the season. The college basketball thing has always been screwy because you get like three weeks of really good non-conference games, and they're all yeah. happening at the same time as college football is being played, and nobody cares. And they would... It just stinks that it works that way, and then you get like to where college football is over, and then and you're you around the, the good games. you're around the holidays, and so you've got guys taking finals, and then on top of that you have you know Christmas breaks, no students on campus, so you don't want to schedule any good games, and the time when we could use some good college basketball games, we don't get any of them, and we just put up with crappy bowl games instead because we want something to watch. Um, Those bowl games are not crappy. No, they're awful. The overwhelming majority Fantastic. of them. The players don't even play in those. We need those. Uh, no, as a Suns fan, if Kevin Durant participated in this thing, I would be beside myself. If Bradley Beal participates, if I was, beside yourself. What in the world are you doing? Why, in God's name, 
would you allow real basketball players to play in this contrived, fake, nonsense event it's when a, it's an opportunity for them to the load management? The stats not counting thing makes but it's weird. It's too. even more bizarre. Why would the stats count for one round and not yeah, the other round? Exactly. Are these so games like, okay, real so or the not? The semifinal games are going to be really competitive because the guys are going to want to try really hard, right. knowing they can. You know, this will affect their MVP race or whatever. It's so. And then on Saturday night, it's like, okay, all right, we're here. Now it's now it's pointless. The utter absurdity of this is beyond. It's I I I can't fathom it, and that they're just no matter how many times people say, nah, we're good that they're just going to do it anyway. And what their argument might be is, we'll just take whatever market share we can get. Even if collectively the country isn't interested, we'll just take the, the, the market share that we can have and we'll live with that. Okay, fine, but what is the point? Why extend... You're, if you're taking... If it's a break from the rest of NBA season, you're extending a season that people would already argue is entirely too long. So you either have to start it earlier or end it later in order to create a five-day window in the middle of, of December when nobody can play games. It's bat-ass. It's almost it is, like soccer. Kind of reminds me of it's where not, you got, that's the, that's where, where you got teams playing no, 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 in no, no. four want, different competitions in one year. They want you to think year. it's like soccer. It's not at all like soccer. That I we had we had to do this comment because what you're saying they well want, maybe they let you know like the you know the the G League teams like the Ignite the D, the DC what is it the DC Capital City Go oh and you can and you can have relegation now yeah, you're gonna yeah, go that, yeah, that, yeah, that, so. that by the way would be vastly more interesting than this so it's like the Capital City Go Go just beat the Wizards Adam Silver <laughs> thinks you're dumb enough to keep saying that he wants you to believe that this is the way that European soccer works it's not they it have is though no you got, it's like, not let, stop stop talking. They have entirely different competitions. They right. don't just say this regular season game counts for one competition and another competition. When you're competing for the Europa, you're, you don't have one game and say this one counts in Europa standings and in uh, uh, what is the, the like Champions, League League or, yeah, Champions League or and in the Premier League. It does not work that way. That is not a thing. They have separate competitions throughout the course of the year and a match counts for that what the nba is going to do is in november say hey this game on tuesday night this counts for this goofy in-season tournament and this one doesn't oh and by the way if the tournament's going to be in december then basically all of the games like you don't play enough games in november for any of them to not count this is so dumb i like my isn't fa cup though like they play for the english teams it's like the best team in england don't the regular season games for their specific leagues no. in England doesn't they doesn't they count no. for FA Cup like no, seedings and things? No, they don't. Oh, I thought I was onto something with that. Yeah, one. No, no, no. I think I like my idea. I think that's we, what I, I thought. I think we should include That's college teams. So now Duke is oh, okay. like playing Can earn the, their the, way. The go go again. And the winner of that plays the Wizards, and if they beat the Wizards, and why not just let like, uh, why not let just let cricket teams play in it too, right? And just see, maybe you guys could be good at. It's so dumb. It's so mind-numbingly dumb, and it is so low level. And that they can't, again, I, how many times I can say, we're willing to just let it disappear. If you just agree to do it, we won't bring it up ever again. We won't dunk on you for it being a failure. We'll cr credit you with the success of recognizing that no one wants this thing. No one. The players don't want it. The fans don't want it. No one wants it other than you because you think it's an opportunity for a new way to create revenue. That's the only people that want it. Are the leaders in the NBA? You think, think that, that thing's not selling out? That game? 
In the big arena? You, there's no way. I mean, I don't know how many fans are in Vegas to begin with. Like, they, I don't know. They if don't it, got sports fans. The question there. is, would an average NBA regular season game sell out an arena in Vegas? And the answer is maybe. Right. Depends who it is. And and that's that's the issue. If if the real players play in it, probably then yes. Yeah. If they don't, no chance in hell. Like they get good crowds for the dumb summer league in Vegas. Like they get. Victor Wembanyama yeah, is going to yeah, play on Friday night for the first time, crowd, yeah. and there's going to be a massive crowd there. Yeah, and like so Lonzo Ball, the thing was sold out. It's entirely dependent on the players that are participating. So it's why the NBA has to have, like, they are going to try to incentivize the teams and the players to participate in this thing because they can't have this happen. But as a fan, furious. As a fan, not again. I I normally don't pay attention to the NBA at this time of year, but. If I'm a Phoenix Suns fan and they get into this thing and the word is that Kevin Durant is going to play, I will scream bloody murder. No. There is nothing here. I I, I can't even fathom the... It really would be like Tyler Wells pitching seven innings in the All-Star game on Tuesday night. Like, imagine that. Imagine tomorrow... They now say, by the way, we added Tyler Wells to the All-Star roster. You're like, well, that's he's cool. The entire game. You know, he's he's pitched really well. And also, we're planning on throwing him for seven innings. Are, what? You'd be furious. Are you are you serious? The guy that's probably gonna end up on an innings limit to begin. You're letting it. What? You'd be beside yourself. And that's how I would feel if any real player participated in this thing imagine imagine them doing the pro bowl in the middle of nfl season imagine that and then these are they're not doing a flag football game they're gonna go out and tackle each other and risk getting hurt in the middle of a football season and you could lose lamar jackson in the middle of a football season because he plays in the pro bowl and i get it basketball is not football i'm not saying that Kevin Durant's going to go out and get tackled but or anything like that. But still, there's a chance. He's also a man who's approaching 40 years old and can only play so many games during the course of a season. So, no, never, not okay. <sighs> Pressbox is offering new sports bettors. The best sign-up bonuses and promos from the seven legal online sportsbooks. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sportsbooks. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and sign up today. All right. Uh, hour number one of today's show is in the books. Still to come today, we're going to make a trip to Bowie. But we've also been celebrating throughout the course of the season. We have been celebrating the 40th anniversary of the 1983 World Series champion Baltimore Orioles. They're going to get together here in Baltimore. You've seen the Orioles start to promote it of late. There's going to be a great celebration the first weekend of August here in Baltimore. We've been celebrating them all season long. Next up on the list, he was the center fielder for the Orioles in 1983. He is the legendary Al Bumbry, and he is back with us now here on GCR. Al, it's Glenn. It's great to chat with you. Thank you, as always, for taking a couple of minutes for us. Hope you're doing well. You're welcome. No problem, Glenn. Yeah, I'm coming along fine. Thank you. 
I'm glad to hear it, sir. Al Bumbry, um, you know, take me back. You, uh, like of all people, this is the way that it timed out for you. When you arrived, it was a couple years after the Orioles had won a World Series. You were there for 79. Did you ever start to doubt? Did you ever start to worry that despite being on this great team and around all these great guys, that it was just never going to happen for you? No, 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 no. We, we, you, you never think negatively. You know, you think if you, if you play the way you're capable of playing, you know, as a team with the personnel we had, it was just a matter of time. And that was always, uh, you know, reinforced in that, uh, you know, during the course of the baseball seasons, we, we never, never had a, a bad team. You know, we always finished first, second, and I think we might have been third once maybe I don't know for sure, but we were always there at the end of the season yep. competing, you know, to win our division and or getting into the playoffs. So it was never in a doubt that eventually, you know, we were going to turn that uh, corner and become world champions. So tell me about, like, how, you know, after all, the heartbreak of 79, after coming up short of the playoffs in 82, what was special about 83? Like, what what changed – Obviously, a new manager, a couple of young guys that had come up. But what what was different about '83 that allowed you guys to be this team? Well, I, I, I think I mean, and, and I can look at it from from my perspective in that you know when Earl managed, you know Earl had a way of knowing his personnel, which all managers do, and Earl knew the ones he had to stroke and which ones he had to to, to get on and which ones he had to leave alone. Case, he, he he should stay on me because you know he wanted me to better be a better player, but I didn't take it that way sometimes. But uh, he he knew what buttons to push, and I think in '79 when we lost that World Series that we should have won, considering that we were ahead three games to one, that served as a major, major, major motivation for 83 when we got back there again. No and question. I think, you know, the players, I can only speak for myself, but I would think the players felt the same way. You know, hey, we blew this thing one time. You know, we're not going to let it happen again, and I'm sure that served as a major motivator for us. Now, looking back at where you were at that point in your career, right, Like, and we know it was it was nearing the end, did, did you have a bit of a sense of urgency about the 83 season, did you feel like, I, I don't know how many more of these chances I'm going to get? No, no. I You know, that, that, that thought that never crossed my mind. Okay. Because, like I said, you know, we had a good ball club, and we always felt, you know, that we could win. Uh, there were, you know, there were uh, predictions in terms of where teams were going to finish, you know, during each baseball season. They still do that, uh, picking the odds. And uh, we, we were rarely ever picked, you know, to be the team to beat. But winning, and, and, and that was the thing that, that, that kept us motivated. So we never thought that, you know, our time was running out. At least I never thought my time was running out. He is Al Bumbry. He is with us here on GCR as we're celebrating the 40th anniversary of the Orioles winning the 1983 World Series. Um, Al, one of the things that's brought up m- the most, and it's interesting, it comes at a time where the Orioles have been in a little bit of a funk. Uh, you guys went through some downs in that 83 season, two separate seven-game losing streaks. Why didn't those losing streaks doom you guys? Why were you able to just move on from them? And I feel like it's maybe good advice for like the current Orioles to hear about right now. Oh. 
All right. Well, that's I mean that that that's news to me in terms of those loose streaks. But uh, but uh, typically speaking, you know, uh, you know, all teams go through the, you know the, 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 those uh, period of time or period of games where they don't play well and, and they have letdowns or what have you. And, and that was an indication that you know I, I think we went through the same thing. But but we we never we never let that deter us from being the club that we knew we could be. And like I said, you know, when, when people beat you down, so to speak, i.e., well, we knew we had a good ball club and we were rarely ever picked to win our division, you know, that that's motivating. That's motivating when people say you can't do something. Like with me, Earl said, well, you can't do this, you can't do that. <laughs> okay, well, I'll show you. <laughs> so I think, you know, that that's the, uh, that's the approach that we took. But uh, you know, we, uh, the season, you know, it, it can be it can be long in the sense of the number of games, which means you know, uh, I, I guarantee you those losing streaks. We didn't have those losing streaks in August and September. So, Al, you know, take me back to those when you guys got to the playoffs. The importance of the pitchers that you had at the top of your rotation, and that year it was Boddicker and McGregor, right? And, and how much does that do for a team to have the type of confidence that your guys are going to go out there and they're going to throw nine innings for the most part, right? Like it's unheard of these yeah. days in baseball. What did that do to, to ease the, the entire burden that you guys felt that season? Well, I, I, I think the, the big thing is that, 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 that uh, we as a team, you know, had confidence in those pitch, pitches like Wadica and Scott McGregor, and, and during the course of the season, you know, uh, the, the, their pitching ability and their wins and losses, you know, showed us that, you know, that, that, they, that, that they could be dependent upon. And, and, and their professionalism and their desire to win, you know, it's kind of hard to measure, you know, from the outside looking in, but, but we knew those guys were competitive. They had a lot of professional pride. And when you see them go out there and pitch as well as they pitch, and they and they threw strikes and they worked fast. And it's always better to play behind pitches who throw strikes and work fast. So guys were, you know, uh, were, uh, we were always on, on, on our toes as opposed to be most resting on, on your heels. But uh, they had shown that, that they were capable of pitching, and we had confidence in them. And, uh, you know, it's like we had – Two number one starters, and mm-hmm. now you know, plus uh, they talk about a number one starter, a number two starter, and a number three, and then four and five down on, on down the list. Well, we just knew that when those two guys tore the rubber, we had a pretty darn good chance of winning that ball game. Um, Al, you had obviously been in Baltimore for over a decade at that point, and you, I think everybody knows your path to baseball was a little bit different than everybody else's, having served and you know having been in the war. When when Cal catches that ball and the final out is recorded, can you tell me what that feeling is like, and maybe why it might have been different than it was for some of the younger guys on the team, knowing everything that you had gone through in order to get to that point and being able to call yourself a world champion? Well, you know, I don't know. You know, it's funny. I, I, I mean, uh, uh, that the path that I took to get into the major was definitely a motivating factor in how I played but 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 at, at that time I, I can't say that I 
you know, uh, uh, reflected back on thinking this has been a tough journey for me based on uh, things that, that happened uh, in, this, uh, in my career that, uh, that, that, that uh, allowed me to get to the big league. I can't say that, you know, it, it was a relief to have won that thing. Uh, not for those reasons, but because uh, because I took a different path to get into the big league, but it was relief for myself when uh, you know that that bad feeling that, that I had harbored, and a lot of us players hmm. that were on the '79 team at Harvard, so it was a relief and it was a redemption for us having lost in 1979. So I think that was the biggest. Thing like that, I, I, I can still now that we're talking. I can still see myself smiling and jumping up and down when when, when that line drive was hit. You know, it, it was quiet for a second, then when Ripken reached up and grabbed it. Oh, what a relief that was! So you know, hmm. from that perspective, you know, we became a world champions, and it, it was not about the career path that I had to take to get. No, it, it, Al, it's interesting to hear you say that because Scotty had, had sort of said some similar things. That, that you guys, it, it really sat with you for a little while, like in 80 and 81 and 82. Yeah. And like it, that it, there was a, a real burden that you guys had carried because of what happened in 79. Yeah, that's exactly right. And considering, you know, that, uh, you know, the way the series ended, that, you know, we were hit three games to one. And, and I think subconsciously we may have been thinking, well, we know we can win you know, one game out of these next three games. And then and then in, in 83, when we got to that point, two to one, let's win tomorrow. And we got three to one, let's win tomorrow. So we, we weren't thinking about right. the percentage of, of us winning one of the next three. Let's win the next one. So, uh, and like I said, you know, that stuck with us, and that's where I think we looked at it. That's, that's how come part of the reason why the results were, were much better the second time around. And, uh, and, and, and of course, in 83, I mean, 79, Scott was that then, so he knew what it was like. Did, did, did it make Game 5 all the more important, Al? Like, did it make you say, guys, we can't mess around with this. Let's not let this get interesting. Let's not go back to Baltimore. Let's not relive any of those demons that we felt. Like, did it make Game 5, despite having a 3-1 lead in the World Series, all the more important for those of you that, that had been through it in 79? Well, I, I, uh, I, I, I would probably say yes, but I mean, I don't think we, you know, put it in uh, thought in those terms. I think we were just so locked in on, you know, that expression you hear people say all the time, you know, one game at a time, one day at a time. Well, we were locked in, you know, to that, uh, to that approach, and, 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 and that's what happened. Uh, you know, of course, you know, if you were 79 and having lost, you, you knew what that losing feeling was like. And mm-hmm. You didn't want to have to go through that again. I understand that. I completely get it. Um, Al, you know, before I let you go, if I could, I, a lot's been made. We've seen the last couple of years, Cedric Mullins has become a really incredible major league center fielder. And it comes on the heels of yeah. having had Adam Jones here in Baltimore for a while. And of course, yourself and and Paul Blair the late great Paul Blair who was so unbelievable um what has that meant to you to see this sort of you know legacy of Orioles center fielders I I think it's kind of neat that there's a legacy of of black center fielders here in Baltimore and 
the way that it's it's continued and to see these guys sort of carry on the standard that guys like you and Paul had set years ago. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's a, a, a major plus for the, for the organization and uh, for the uh, city of Baltimore in that, you know, the, the fans have been accustomed, you know, to seeing successful teams. And at the same time, you know, they've been, they've been accustomed to seeing, you know, uh, all-star players and world champion players and gold glove winning players. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, since Paul came through and he won a bunch of gold gloves, I never won a gold glove, but I made an all-star team and I made some major contributions yep. to, uh, you know, to, to, to Orioles' success. And then when the Orioles had gone through a lot of difficult times, you know, o- o- over the last several years, then, you know, fans were just just craving, you know, to, 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 to you know, to, to to see a winner again, and uh, and since the Orioles, you know, have started to win now, and uh, they've had a center fielder that 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 plays the game the way you know Orioles fans have been accustomed to seeing a center fielder play. Like you know, Paul Blair won those Gold Gloves, and and they loved the way I played. I never won a Gold Glove, but when it came to entertaining from a defensive standpoint and from an offensive standpoint. In terms of your speed and your abilities, you know, I, I provided that for the fans. Sure and uh, now that Cedric is there, you know, he's providing a lot of the same things that I provided. Of course, he's hit more home runs than me, but in terms <laughs> of the way he plays defense, how he plays center field, you know, the stolen bases, all those kind of things, you know, uh, it's bringing back good members for the fans here. And I think it's very important you know, that they had that. In fact, all teams should have that. I, I couldn't agree more, and it goes a long way. It's such an important thing. Al Bumbry, uh, I, I can't wait to see you back here. Uh, I know you're here. I say back here like you're not here. Yeah. Can't wait to see you at the ballpark, I mean, uh, coming up here in August <laughs> and seeing everybody together, um, which is going to be a really, really special weekend, and I'm sure it'll be a lot, uh, a heck of a time to be telling some stories. Uh, Al, yes, sir. Great to catch up with you, sir. Uh, really looking no forward problem. to it. Thanks for taking the time for us. Yes, sir. You're welcome. It's the great Al Bumbry with us here on uh, GCR again, 40 years later. It's interesting, um, you know, for the guys that had been there in '79, the way they talk about how that stayed with them and the burden of that. You know, I think in modern the modern um, Baltimore sports fans, it, you know, it's really funny. There's there will every now and then. You know, we, we talk about Twitter dying. Every now and then on Twitter, there will be a, hey, if you could go back and change any one moment in your sports fandom, what one moment would you change? And you'll see a group of Ravens fans who will say, you know, Lee Evans catches the ball or Billy Cundiff makes the kick or whatever it is. And then immediately you'll see a bunch of Ravens fans that follow up and say, yeah, I don't know if we win the Super Bowl the next year if that happens. Like, I don't know what happens. It, maybe they win back-to-back Super Bowls. Maybe. Or maybe they go turn around and lose the Giants and they don't have the same fire and the same fuel the following year and are not quite as hell-bent or whatever it is. And there, it, it is fascinating, right? It's a fascinating conversation because when we were doing our 10th anniversary celebration of the Ravens Super Bowl last year, you know, so many of the guys brought up Foxborough and that feeling and Ray Lewis's words. God, who was it that wasn't even on the team at that point? 
that mentioned that he knew. Oh, uh, was that Bernard Pollard? No, Pollard was definitely on the team. He was on the team in 2011. Yeah. Who okay. was? Who would have not been on? One of the guys we had yeah, on. Yeah, I remember who you're talking about. Man, was was that? a free agent signing. Oh my god. We drafted Corey Graham, right? Uh, no, they didn't draft Corey Graham, and I don't remember if Corey Graham was on the 11 team or not, but I don't think it was him. I don't remember if we even had Corey on during the year. I don't remember if that's the case or not. I like Corey. I don't know why we didn't do that. (laughs) Um, he wasn't on, so he would have been, that, that could have been an option. I, God, it's going to kill me to not remember who it was, but somebody was like a headache bow, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hedigbo was on the Patriots. Yep, that's oh. yes, that's exactly what it was. And, and Hedigbo knew he remembered every word that Ray said. Uh, that Ray said, <laughs> despite the fact that he wasn't there, just because it had been all over, you know, social media, or it had been all over. I don't even know in 2011 how it is that we're getting our information. Hedigbo knew everything. Let me just make sure I have my facts right, because I do remember this conversation coming up and how it drove the guys on that team. Yes, he was a Patriot in 11 and then came to the Ravens in 12. It was definitely a headache, though. And how important it was for the, the building blocks of what became a Super Bowl championship team. And it's fascinating talking to the guys from 83 about, like for Al Bumbry, I'm thinking, dude, you've been grinding away for over a decade, you know, still in an era where it wasn't easy for black baseball players and he had gone through an injury plague season and in by 83 I mean he was being pulled out of games regularly it was very clearly at the end and this comes off the heels of having served in Vietnam for Al Bumbry and I'm thinking that's what the story was going to be is like his path to everything he had been through and what does he say Nope. That stupid 79. All I was thinking about was 79. That's all I was thinking about. I just needed to wipe the taste of 79 out of my mouth. Nothing drives winning quite like losing. And you know, you'll talk to so many athletes that'll say that. I like winning. I hate losing. Like, I, it's it's less about winning and more about not losing. I hate losing, and that's what drives me. So, really... Kind of fascinating that um, you know both McGregor and Al Bumbry, as we've been doing this, have um, brought that up. It, it, it's that 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 was the singular focus for them was just we. I can't let my story be seventy nine. I can't allow that to be what defines my career. Is that I blew a three one lead in the World Series? There's got to be something more than that, and obviously, of course. There was. Hopefully, there will be more World Series titles coming, and we won't go 40 years without winning a World Series in Baltimore ever again. I hope that's the case, but we will see how that ends up uh, playing out. All right. Uh, today's show brought to you by this print issue of Press Box. Speaking of champions, Tony Siragusa was a Super Bowl champion and was a very significant person in this community. And young people, I'm not sure, can fully understand why we cared so deeply about a player who was only here for a few years and wasn't a Pro Bowl caliber player. Dave Ginsburg attempts to explain that in this print issue of Press Boxes. We're one year removed from Tony's passing. The uh, impact, the legacy. You can go pick that up for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Any of the hundreds of locations around town when you find Press Box and read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. 
All right, uh, it's time for us to make our weekly trip to Bowie to chat with a member of the Bay Sox. This guy started coming on a little bit of late. He is Bay Sox outfielder Tim Susnara, and he's with us here on GCR. Tim, it's Glenn. It's good to catch up with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, of course. How's it going? I said outfielder. Of course, I know you're a catcher. I want to make sure I said that. I have no idea. <laughs> sometimes my brain, man, I'm 40 now, so sometimes my brain just blanks on me for a second. Tim, that's, great great to catch right. up with you, man. Um, I, I know, at least offensively, it's it's had to be tough, right, going through the, the first couple of weeks of the season for you. Um, the last week or two, what, what has clicked in, and how did you handle it when you were going through the struggles? Like, how... Do, do you not allow any of those things to doom you or to take you out of your game and what it is that you're trying to do? Yeah. Um, no, the first couple of weeks were tough. Uh, the The tough part was I was hitting the ball really hard just right at people. Huh. And so that, that makes it 10 times worse because you're like, okay, now there's 20 infielders and outfielders rather than nine or eight. So it was really just, okay, talking with, our hitting coaches and all our other coaches of just keep putting the barrel on the ball, just keep finding barrels and they're going to fall eventually. And when they come, hopefully they come in bunches and not just singles and strays throughout. Um, and so it was really just keeping a level head and staying with the same approach and being consistent. And uh, that's all you really can do in this sport. Uh, take me through Tim, you arrive in this system, right? Like mm-hmm. what you knew, obviously you've been, you've been through a few things, you know, you, you, you didn't play at all a year ago. Like mm-hmm. take me through getting just settled in a new organization. And, and I, I don't know the, the word that comes to mind, like, is it a wake up call being a new place a few years? Is it, I don't know what the phrase is. What does it do for you in your career as you're trying to reach a goal to end up in a new place and, and trying to get a feel for where you are? Yeah, so uh, like you said, didn't play. Had Tommy John surgery, so I was rehabbing. Um, you know, was in the complex in Arizona with the Cubs, rehabbing when called and that I was coming over here. And I'm gonna be completely honest. I knew nothing about the Orioles sure. whatsoever. Sure. Right. Um, so I didn't. I didn't really know much. Um, I was just googling the coaching staff honestly and trying to figure out you know where they're from you know and trying to get as much info as I could uh you know talk to my agent he didn't have anyone here in the Orioles system but he knew a couple people in the front office so he was able to talk about them and kind of what the culture is like here and honestly since the day I stepped into the locker room the guys have been awesome um you know they've helped me out and any way, shape, or form, you know, they've always asked questions if I needed anything. They've taken care of me like I've been here for, you know, years. Um, and I think that's just a credit to how the Orioles draft and how they choose, pick and choose guys and just the culture that they're trying to develop. And I'm sure the culture they have at the big league level. You obviously arrived at a little bit of an advanced age, right? Like, mm-hmm. Do you start to feel like the the clock? I mean, guys talk about that all the time, like an internal clock, right? Do you start to feel any of that? And you know, how do you handle that? Like, how do you handle the pressure of 
I wanted to be somewhere else by the time I was 27. I didn't want to be taking buses around and playing games in Erie. That wasn't the goal for all of this. Yeah. Like, how do you handle that? Um, you know, it's just it's a process. You know, I lost a year because of COVID. I lost a year because of TJ, and those are the things that are just out of your control. Sure. Um, you know, and that's that's what baseball's talked about is controlling the controllables. And so, you know, whatever that process is, that's what, you know, someone, the big lord upstairs has in plan for me or whatever you believe in, that's what they have in plan for you or in store for you. So, you know, it's not, it's not something that you can get worked up about or it's not something that, you know, you can go and try and control because you have no control over it. It's just going up to the field and doing your job and showing up every day and putting in that consistent, that consistent work to get you to that end goal. You know, that's what, that's what, I've heard from coaches for, throughout my years in pro ball is the con, the consistency factor. You know, the big leaguers, it's not the talent that separates them from a triple-A, double-A, high-A guy or whatever. It's how consistently they do it on an everyday basis. And, you know, some guys, it, they can figure it out very quickly and great for them. And some guys, it takes them a little longer. And there's no problem with that. And so, you know, it's just you have to be consistent. You have to be diligent with all your work that you do. And, uh yeah, that's kind of what keeps me level-headed. That's cool. I appreciate that perspective. Tim Susnara is with us. The Bay Sox are away this week. They'll be back home next Friday night, and it's a big weekend for giveaways next weekend. Uh, Connor Norby bobblehead next Friday night. Kobe Mayo squishy pillow next Sunday. Get your tickets right now by going to BaySox.com. Tim, I, I wonder, based on the age, do the guys like start to treat you as like the dad of the team, or even like the grandfather of the team? Like, do they go? Are you like the wise sage that they turn to for advice? On top of being a catcher, you know, like it's always the guy that everybody turns to. Do, do you become the guy that's being expected to dole out advice to these young guys? Um, a little. Yeah. I mean, not really. No. Okay. Um, they, I think they look to our coaching staff a little bit more, but I think yeah, for some things they do ask me questions and whatnot, but. Um. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's about fifty-fifty. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. <laughs> One of the things that jumped out at me, as I mentioned, you know, like struggling a little bit offensively. You have always been an on-base guy. Like you have always been a, a patient approach. That a lot mm-hmm. of people talked about how that's like a, you know a statement about the Orioles system these days. I I wonder, you know, with Brandon Hyde having come from the Cubs system, like I just wonder if there's a connection. Was that your, you know, like, does that date back to when you were, you know, playing in Oregon? Does it date back to when you were in high school? When did that patient approach at the plate come, and why was it so important for you to be so diligent with it? Um, You know, I think that that dates back to just growing up um, and, you know, hitting in the backyard. And when you have your dad who throws a couple strikes here and there, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um but I think it just goes to it goes to getting on base is important in the game of baseball. You know, um, can't score if you're not on base, and solo home runs don't win a lot of games. Um, and so I think that's kind of that's kind of helped me throughout my game is understanding that and knowing that you know if you get on base you're going to stick around for a while and it's going to help you get a job, um, but it also is going to help you win a lot of games and as a catcher winning games is more important than hitting home runs and whatever the case may be. Cause your job first is to be behind the plate and calling yeah. pitches and all that stuff. So, you know, it's really just looking for one pitch in that zone, 
especially here, guys are going to miss locations a lot of the times. Um, and you know you're going to get those pitches a couple of times throughout the bat. And so, you know, if you're not chasing the balls down or balls up or whatever the case may be, if you can just be diligent and, you know, trust that you're going to get that pitch on that bat, you know, you're, you're going to be able to be pretty confident and pretty patient in the box. Significant. That's really significant. Um, all right, so now, the, the so you, you mentioned being behind the plate. Who's the guy? Who's the guy that we're not talking about enough, Tim? Who's the guy that, like, isn't getting the love, isn't being treated like a top prospect, but you're catching him and you're seeing his stuff regularly and you're saying, dude, this, this guy is special and you guys are missing it? Hmm. I mean, you can go down – you can go down our, our pitching roster right now. Those guys are all, you know, doing really well. Um, the past couple days have been a little rough for us, but yeah. you know, that's, that's just how it is. You know, that's how baseball is. That's a great thing is we get to play again today and then tomorrow and the next day. And so, um, you know, a lot of guys are throwing really well right now. Uh, Hoffman's throwing well. Povich is throwing well. Van Loon's throwing well. Um, Van Loon figured out his splitter the other day, and interesting man, he threw that thing in Fourth of July, and it was it was pretty incredible. He had he had the umpire and the hitters talking about it <laughs> in the box. So I mean that'll that'll tell you how much it's moving and how late it is. Wow. Um, but no, I I can't. I'm I'm not doing our pitching staff justice just calling out one guy. Okay, um, I, let, me, let me talk about that though with Van Loon and that. Like, are you? I, I, God, I don't remember who we were talking about it with the other day, but somebody brought up that like the difficulty of 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 hitters figuring out what's coming. And when we see like that video from the College World Series of a dude throwing 100 miles an hour, and it's the umpire cam, and you're like, what What do you do with that? And now you have days where there's shadows creeping in and everything. Do you as a catcher yeah. ever find yourself in the same situation? Like, you know what pitch is coming, but the insanity of what these human beings are capable of doing, do you ever find yourself saying, yo, this is a little bit more difficult than people give it credit for? Like, this is not easy to make sure that nothing disastrous happens in these circumstances. Yes, 100%. And it's only with one pitch. Or, I mean, it could be with two. I would say maybe a knuckleball, but I've never caught a knuckleball sure. in my career. Yeah. So yeah. I. I can't speak to that, but a splitter, a split finger changeup, and with just because it can stay straight sometimes, it can cut, it can drop, it can run, it could go in all four directions, mm-hmm. and um, and it's not it's not a, a knock on the pitcher saying he doesn't know how to throw it. That's just how it moves with how your hands positioned. You know, some guys can get it probably like 80% consistency to cut or to drop or whatever, but there's still that other 20% where it's going to go a different direction. And that's just based on how the ball shaped, how the ball's moved, how it's released. Um, so yeah, on 4th of July, when, you know, here in Richmond, they have this big, big bleacher section. So the shadows are pretty, pretty crazy. Um, that ball was knuckling and it was a little scary at times, right. but, um, we were able to get a glove on it, and it worked out for us. All right, yeah. That's ultimately that's all that matters. You keep it in front of you, yep. and make sure nothing crazy happens. Uh, uh, Tim, give me a, a little bit about yourself, right? Like, you know, what, what's 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 life look like when you're not playing baseball? You get a Monday, you get a day off. What do you what are you doing with your life? Uh, Monday day off. My roommate and I, Billy Cook, 
are grilling steaks always. Okay. Um, honestly, we go, we go to the gym, uh, not to work out because it's a Monday, it's a day off. We go in there and sauna just helps start the recovery process for that night just cause you got six in a row. And so yep. it's all about getting that body better and, uh, just getting it ready to perform at its best that it can. Um, might go see a movie if something good is out in theaters. Uh, or might just get dinner with the guys. Okay, last movie you saw? Last movie, uh, Spider-Man. Oh, I mean, dude. The new one. Dude, come on. Other, So I actually took my kids. I got an 8-year-old and a 6-year-old. And other than them being beside themselves when they found out it was only part one of, of two, like they were not <laughs> okay with that. My, my 6-year-old. It was back, a good one. Oh, my God. My 6-year-old asked me to go inform the, the movie theater people that because that I said something like, well, Sam, you wouldn't want to sit here for five hours. They got to break it up into two. And he said, no, that's what I want to go do. Go tell them right now that I'm ready to watch part two. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Yeah, no, uh, it was a good one. We, oh. we went with like four or five of the guys on the team. And so we were all happy. We Dude, left happy. It was so good. So good. I wish we didn't have to wait as long as we do. But thankfully, it's only March yep. to get the part two. <laughs> Um, uh, Tim, great to meet you, man. Uh, great to have this conversation. Where can we give uh, Orioles fans, where can they be following you on social media? Uh, Instagram or Twitter, and it's just my name. Yeah. It's nothing, nothing special, nothing crazy. S-U-S-N-A-R-A, for those that don't know how to spell it. S-U-S-N-A-R-A. Tim, great to catch up, man. Uh, may may this uh, this offense turn around. May this continue forever. Uh, and may our next conversation be about you headed up towards Baltimore. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Uh, look forward to chatting with you again down the road. All right. Of course. Awesome. Have a good one. Thank you very much. Tim Susnara with us here on uh, GCR from the Bowie Bay Sox. All right. When we come back in, we will find out what's going to save us when the power goes out. When it's the lightning's out of control, how are we going to be saved? Carson's going to save us. He's going to come to your house, and he's going to save you. He's going to start a business where he drives around to save you. And he'll explain it coming up next. We'll do fighting words as well. It's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an Easy Pass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
The All-America Senior Game powered by New Balance will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one. 800 gambler. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Thursday edition of the program. Is it working? No, you're, it's clearly not because you're spinning your camera over towards Carson. All right, that'll be a post-show yes, issue that we will deal with, as apparently so, we have a camera problem at the moment, and Griffin's talking, and you can't see him. No, you or, can't. You can, oh, or actually, you're about to be. What? So I'll just use the camera on this one. We'll face at me, and then my camera will spin around and look at Carson. If you say so. Yeah. All right. I don't. I don't know. If, I don't. Okay. Whatever. We'll go with that. I. I. I hope that that. Whatever. Moral of the story is, one. Stan the Fan, Charles, Ross Grimsley, and Luke were off this week, but they'll be back next Monday. Hope you'll join them, facebook.com slash Sports Every Monday they're on there talking baseball. Again, Stan the Fan, Ross, and Luke every Monday. Normally at 6 o'clock, facebook.com slash Sports. Now we need to figure out why Carson's a hack this week, and he tells us it has something to do with the power going out and him trying to save you. So Carson has been, this summer, trying to improve your life. Eh. Mixed bag. <laughs> I think we Mostly. I think we decided last time that I'm, like, one and a half. Yeah, it's like 1.7 out of three, something yeah. like that. Let me give a proper we intro. Uh, oh, right, yes, yes please. please. Go ahead. He's a hack, man. Yeah, he's hacking life. It's Carson. He's a hack. He's a hack. So Carson has been scouring the internet for these life hack ideas. Um, 
one was an utter complete failure. I mean, just about as much of a failure as it could possibly be, and that was the pineapple thing that did not work at all. The one from last week was so complicated, we had to give him multiple days in order to try to prove it worked. that it had some value. Three out of it's three, still, right? It's still, no. It's still very minimal value. The, um, the what, is the lighter not work now? No, the thing was high octane. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was, boom. Well, what we learned, not that Carson's a hack, but that we no longer have a place of employment. <laughs> Because he's built the or burnt the building down, good. By the way, on on uh, Tuesday we get together on the Fourth of July with our friends, the Gatsby's, as we always do. And uh, Mr. Gatsby bought some uh, low-level, um, you know, sparkler type stuff, poppers. That's right and, up your alley. Uh, no, no, it's not up my alley, but it's for, good for the kids, right? Like the sure. kids can enjoy the, you know, the, just the cheap stuff. And I saw my eight-year-old showing interest and i said buddy do you want to do you want to shoot some of these off and he was like yeah and i said all right ask mr gatsby tell him you have my permission and these are little i mean little guys right but he is over there with the i got a picture of him holding the the lighter he's over there lighting these things and i could just see the pyro setting in i could see in that moment and i said dude there is no playing with lighters at home. He's like, I understand. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. I need you to swear to me that you will not play with a lighter at home because I am very – I shared a picture on social media of him maniacally holding the lighter, and I'm like, oh, no, this is this is bad. This is not going to go well for our family. Look, look at this picture of my 8-year-old holding that lighter. He is so. I, I think we got the same oh one. He is so. He's happy with that excited. thing. It looks. It looks like it belongs it in his hands. Yep. I am uh, very. I'm nervous excited for him. That. Learning what fire is. That <sighs> <sighs> makes one of us. There he is. Whatever. Whatever that you call that little guy. He's he's shooting off that little guy. <laughs> yeah. He's very excited about it. All right. So this week, what have you discovered, and how do you think it's going to help us? So we've had some storms recently, and it got me thinking about people's power going out because i know mine flicked a few times and i was thinking well you know if the power goes out man it's dark and you gotta try and find ways to light up your house and you do you might have a couple candles in your house but candles are expensive well, if, you, these if you're days. my wife you have about 80 okay well yeah. my house Mrs. i think we probably Mrs. got like, clark has a never-ending supply of candles well some you know like for me personally i think we probably have like three or four candles and like you know they're kind of expensive well what i found out is for 99 cents, you can get a pack of crayons. A crayon will burn for up to 30 minutes. Okay. So you can make but a candle out of a crayon. Like We're doing a at-home way. It will. It will. So this is what you do. Well, I, first of all, should we turn the... I, close the blinds. All right. Right? I mean, like... All right. Let's turn the lights off. Close the door. I mean, like, let's do the whole thing. Now, we're not going to get this perfect because it's... Obviously, it's not fully dark here, but... It'll be something. I'll even all turn right, the TV is, off, which right. I really don't like doing during Wimbledon. First of all, Glenn, you want to pick a color here? Uh, I red. All right, I'm, let's a, do red. I'm a red let's, man. Let's do red. Okay. I am red I was, man actually. Method in red. Wow. Yeah. Who knew? I was gonna say red too. Former Ravens quarterback Chris Redman. Here's the red one. Okay. All right. Just one so crayon. Yeah. So the first okay. thing you're gonna do, first of all, check. Uh oh. Oh God. <laughs> I worked the first. Oh, time. stop it! Don't tell me. Oh my God! Oh no! Did I really? Oh, oh. There you go. all right. So you're gonna take the wax here, 
and you're just going to melt it to make a little base for you to set the candle on. Heck yeah. You could put this in a glass. I, I love this one already. You could put this in a glass. You could put this in like a little bowl. Uh, we've got a plate right here if you can't see. Uh, so there you go. So you're going to okay. melt it off the top. Right. So there's your little base. All right. And you set it and on it, there. It sits in there. Okay, so, the, so like it melts. Like so. Or, or, or and hardens. now you will light it. And uh. it should burn just like so a it candle. So burn the paper. Ah. Now is it going to uh, smell? Oh, boy. Is it going to smell like burning who paper, cares? though? If the like power's out, who cares what yeah, it smells right. like? Oh, right. my yeah, God. This, oh, work, this worked Carson. the first time. Oh, no. Maybe it's because it's, it's red. Maybe it's because it's red. This we is going so well. need a blue crayon. Come on. Uh, okay, there all we right. go. Wow. And that will burn for up to 30 minutes. Wow. Well, that is interesting. I like this. This is so the it, first say, one. So, this whole, so, for example, this whole pack of crayons, there's probably 20 of them in here. Yeah. This Or 24 crayons in here. This costs 99 cents. Okay, right. But stop. Nobody's going out. If you're going out to, for, like, survival, go buy some candles. Okay. Buy some things. That's true. The, uh, the but if you have crayons in the house. You might have crayons in the house. And that bad boy has is on a stand. The wax is already solidified on the bottom. It's not going to go anywhere. And that will burn for up to 30 minutes. Oh, that is wild. So say you got, I know one might not make a difference, but say you put, you know, f six of them ac around the room or whatever, you could yeah. you could light a room with nice that. little prayer circle. And this is fascinating. Yeah. I can't demon. believe this it actually be works. Or, uh, not really. I can't and to be honest. I can't believe you actually came up with something that I find valuable. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really what I meant to say. It's not, I mean, it's not making too much of a mess either. See, the, the wax isn't dripping down too much, and it's it's kind of, the paper almost kind of like holds it, like a regular candle. This is fascinating. This is genuinely f now. Okay, so we'll let's let's cover the things. One, not everybody has a pack of crayons because not everybody has children. That's right? true. Like, I mean, like we, uh, we still have to be realistic about the limitations. If you don't have children, knock on the neighbor's no, house. But you know, okay. But you know how some people That's might have crayons. like an emergency supply like drawer. I understand. Throw a pack of crayons I, in there. I, sure, but also if you've got that, maybe again prepare better than that. Yeah, maybe maybe th candles. that's the, the the problem is this this doesn't really work. Mm, starting to go out there. We're pal. starting to deteriorate. Starting to a flicker bit. here. Hold on, boy, come that's on, not on. good. That's come not going to light. Any, that's not going to light any room at all. That current flame. That's the not going to light. Come on, oh. come on, buddy. Carson, this is going so well. Oh, 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 oh. Yes. Yes. hey, yes. there we go again. All right. Well, thank goodness. Eh. Maybe we celebrated too soon. Maybe uh, we celebrated. Ah. Okay, it's you know what? It's trying. It's trying. I, th I mean. It, there's enough there it's gonna be all right. that I'll give you credit that it's a thing. Again, there are limitations. To the actual hey. there you go. All right. Um, if you are in a situation where your power's out and you look around, and you don't have any candles, but you happen to see that you have crayons. Okay, you got something. Like you have, there's there's something there. Um, not not likely to improve life as much <laughs> as to be like that. To me, life hacks are supposed to improve your life. Like, there's this way that I've been doing something, and there's a much better way of doing it that's going to save me time, energy, effort, money, whatever it is. This isn't that, but it is interesting, and it's, I don't know, pretty decent knowledge to have. I'll give you that, even if it's for a very, very specific circumstance. It's very specific. That there's about a one in a billion chance that you're going to have to do something like this. I would still say it's it's... Decent information to know, and that's why I will give it credit 
as as a hack. I will give you a point. And for I think this it's one. pretty fun too. I mean, you know, we're all we all obviously no, now have now you're veering into pyro, utter yes pyro mentality. Yes, now you're veering into what I'm very worried about my son. Yeah, which is that my house is going to burn down tomorrow. No, not because tomorrow. no, I'm yeah maybe the next power outage. Yeah. Give it give it some life again. Give it some life again. It's gone. Don't we do your magic over there, fire boy. Come on. Just kind of wafted no, up. No, didn't no. really make it 30 minutes there. The didn't smoke's making me cough. Didn't make it, it is, 30 minutes. It is smoking now. Oh. Come on. Yeah, come wait on. Wait till we find out that we all have emphysema because of Carson's <laughs> life hack. Wait until we get that call. Hey, Doc, what's going on with me? Uh, Did you recently inhale burning crayon? Uh, Come on. Hold on. I, I, yeah. I did. Yeah, but I just hacked life. Why? So. Well, oh, what you got to oh, understand oh, is no. there's a one in a million chance. It's, it's, it's recovering. It's coming back. Maybe it is coming back. Yeah. Uh, I'm, oh, oh boy, that was the. Oh, 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 there's still blue. There's still some blue. Oh give boy. Some gas. Hold on. Hold yeah, on. you promised me. There we go. You promised me 30 minutes. You're sort of like when I met my wife. <laughs> I said I'm gonna give you the 30 best minutes of your life, baby, and she said it was more like three. Damn. Hold so, on. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> I made like three. I made it three minutes. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> I don't think Jeremy's ever made it three minutes. <laughs> Oh boy. I just blew it out. Oh boy. Yeah, well, like I think it, I think it would have recovered. All right, you're a bit of a fraud. But other than that, what I'm going to give you is that it is some level of a thing. There is something there. I think we need to test out see maybe maybe if different colors work better. I don't you have a problem, sir. You want to do one more? Yeah. Oh, I want to put the tennis back on. <laughs> Sloane Stevens is playing right now. Well, Griff, you picked the color this time. Uh I got I got and I got all of them, man. I got the 24 pack. Let's go yellow. Yellow. Yeah. Can't can't wait till the <laughs> boss the boss comes. Drew would like this. We're burning Calvert Hall colors. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. We're going with yellow. Calvert Hall. So you gotta you gotta drip a little wax down. Just a little. You just burn the Get tip off. <laughs> you just burn the tip. Just off. the tip. Just for a second. Just yep. to see how it feels. <laughs> All right. Tip burned. You've got a nice little base there. Put that in. All right. It stands up. Light. The other end. And. And. No. It's going to do it. I, so I can't, just, I can't you tell. Gotta, you gotta really you better also have in the survival kit a, a, kit a really strong lighter. A really, really quality butane lighter. Ah, there we go. Oh, there we go. Yeah. All right. I'm a little. That was a little leany. I'm a little bit nervous about that. Yeah, Carson. this this one's this one's. Well, the kinda, red one, the red I'm, one's leaning too. I want to make this abundantly clear. If that thing starts to fall, you sacrifice your hand. I'll. All right. I'll go. Right All as right. it's coming down, I'll blow it out. I want to make that abundantly clear. See, if, I, we're not going to be on for another thirty minutes, so we're not going to see if it gets to thirty. Who knows? We just leave you the video know. going after this, we sign yeah. off. The, the force is strong with this one, though. Yeah, this, was, this thing that is one's burning bright. This thing's this, that's that. an inch, a full inch of flame. Okay, burn all of the candles later, Dave. Report back to us <laughs> okay. in order what, what colors, color went along. Wouldn't it be funny if one of them? Burn? It's like, well, you know, they all went about eighteen minutes, but yeah, know, the the, the, the gray the gray one went for forty three minutes. Still, it's still it's still lit. This one is that. Oh, easy, easy over there. All right, Easy. don't talk near the can or Kyle's no, it's near it's the crayons. Talking. It's good because it's not like we do radio or anything. <laughs> this one is going. All right, crazy. Carson did a thing, sort of. It's sort of helpful. There you go. Carson's a hack. He has maybe not improved your life, but he's given you something that could be an option should you have a really specific emergency occur. That is a hell of a flame. <laughs> this man. thing is going. That really nuts. is a hell of a flame. 
It looks like a troll doll with like the hair shooting. It does. Out. That's pretty wild. I got a feeling this one might go for a little longer just because of how big the flame is. All right, that's all well and good, but I'm putting Wimbledon back on. That's now, fine. I'm gonna turn the lights back on. Well, you don't have to. We can. I, I don't mind the the, the You want to do the you want to do the rest of the show the by candlelight? Can, the candlelight show by Crayola. Know, by what Crayola. What does light? it look like on video? Can anybody see anything? I mean, you can like. Actually, you guys look pretty well. I don't know why I'm so. Like, How about I put back- this in the I'm middle really of us, backlit, so you can't see my face? But your your face is actually. Let's, let's keep it away from all, more of the equipment. Let's just <laughs> let's just minimize the damage that can be done. Go ahead, turn just turn the lights on. Okay, we'll we'll know the flame's still going. We'll be able to see it. All right, uh, that was uh, Carson's a hack. Now it's time for uh, this. We were well prepared, weren't we? Mm, yeah, we have. All right. Now the, there's the bell. The the, the ending sound. Boy, that went well. That went well. Anything else? It's hey! Fighting words with Griffin Bass. Time for Griffin to tell us what's going on in the world of the fight game. We do it every Thursday here on GCR. There is a big fight this weekend. Yes, there indeed is. Uh, UFC 290, of course, is going to headline the weekend. Uh, for 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 all the fight fans out there, uh, a very very good card, especially after well last weekend's card was a pretty much complete dud. I was way wrong about Ismael Bonfim, the guy who I said I was really excited okay. about. He got submitted in the second round. Ah, by Ben Saint Denis. Yeah. So, uh, and then uh, Sh- Sean Strickland knocked out uh, a boost Magomedov. I guess we'll come back to that later as we get into this card. Uh, it is International Fight Week, so uh, UFC always tends to put on a very exciting card. It is headlined by Alexander Volkanovsky and Yair Rodriguez for the featherweight belts. Uh, that is 145 pounds. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky will come down to, or I, well, I mean, it's, it was his belts. Uh, then he went up to lightweight to challenge Islam Makhachev, and Islam mm-hmm. ended up beating him in five rounds. And this is where you know you, right. you didn't like my right. take where I said if we went at six round, Volkanovski yeah, doesn't won. Er, completely irrelevant. But we'll move on forward from that. Uh, Yair Rodriguez won the interim belt against Josh Emmett. Yeah, if uh, they played an eighteen inning baseball game, they wouldn't have had the pitching Orioles to compete with us. Lose, yeah. Um, but Yair Rodriguez did beat Josh Emmett uh, pretty handed, pr- pretty convincingly in the interim featherweight by, belts. By the way, Carson's a pyro. He is Just staring at it. That one's burning better. This one is burning. This I want to make this good. abundantly clear. Uh, yeah. You are never allowed to spend the night at my house. You are a okay. psycho. What I just saw there. I'll, though, go, I'll go crash at Griff's, man. You have if, I, if I'm ever I, in a pinch, I, I'm, I'm if, crashing if, at Griff's. If I were him, I would prevent I that. Great floors. Dude, the way you're staring at that fire is insane. You know what's actually funny is I, I hate fireworks. Like, I'm terrible with... I have really fireworks. sensitive ears, and fireworks I'm, I'm really bad stink. with loud noises, so it's kind of funny that you said I was a pyro. To be honest, fireworks kind of stink. I <laughs> like they kind of stink. I like fireworks. Tonight is the fireworks very, show very at, my car- at the Carnival in Manchester. What the hell is that? What? The the patented July sixth fireworks. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like it's like it's like they, it's cheaper for the, for the fire to get the fireworks, and I think they, they always do it like. Wait, a oh, that's days what after. it is. They they wait till they all go on sale. It's like, filling the, it's like filling the it's like filling the you fill the Easter basket with candy. They always do it three oh, days after. They Easter. always do it like a, a day or two after uh, the Fourth of July. So, so bad. I'm excited. It's not bad. It's great. Go it's Manchester. Go this fight. Uh, Alexander Volkanov. Alex Volkanov. Alexander Volkanovsky is going to win. What's um, the what's the bet? What's the odds? The he is a minus four hundred favorite. Uh, I guess depending where you look. Rowan Fanduel he is minus four hundred at the moment. Uh, but yeah, minus three seventy, minus four hundred. Is it He's, better if you take the paper off the crown? Well, I think the paper. I think I think the paper helps light it, and definitely it's it's definitely what catches fire. Because the because like the current the crown's not. But it seems like it's having light. It's struggling as it moves down towards the paper. Right. That's yeah. a. I don't. You know, I. I really don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Either. What, are we doing? what are we doing? I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Mom, <laughs> I'm done with my segment. The late great John Clayton. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I believe Alexander Volkanovsky will win, uh, and rather convincingly. I mean, after the performance he put on against Islam, um, did not win in five rounds, but he still showed that he is, without a doubt, one of the great, one of the one of the top pound for pound fighters in uh, in MMA right now. Uh, before that fight, we yeah, will Bo have Nickel is on this card. That's the, everybody's. So I should have headlined with him. He is the head. He is the headline. Right. Everybody is obsessed with Bo Nickel. Explain why fight fans are obsessed with Bo Nickel. He's one of the greatest uh, UFC prospects we've seen in some time. Uh, I mean, he was—he's a uh, NCAA wrestling champion. Um, and what's crazy is because he's like still in his prime of wrestling. Like Ben Askren was an NCAA champion. Brock Lesnar. These guys have come over, but they've been—they've come over kind of you know after well after their kind of wrestling prime days. Like Bo okay. Nickel could go back and he could probably go win a gold medal right now. He could probably go he could probably win the NCAAs right now. Like he is still pretty much in his prime. He's I mean like he's 185 pounds, so he is pretty much completely filled out with muscle and I mean he's only had four professional fights, which is why he is such a well, so kind of polarizing right now, I guess. But I mean, yeah, that's a weird bit. Him. I saw Luke Thomas tweet about that. There's starting to be some like Bo Nickel haters that are coming out of the woodwork, and like I mean, I he it's was like he had four fights, but it's like he was theorizing it's because he's being forced upon like UFC mm-hmm. fans. Like I mean, he's being he is being coronated. There's before enough for. He's actually earned the coronation. I think it's because there's enough of the fan base and people that have watched him wrestle at the NCAA level that they know they know he is a really really good wrestler. He was Penn State, right? Yes, yeah. Okay, Penn State, Penn State. Um, and now least, I want to double check. At least Penn State sure. people aren't totally insufferable. Yeah. Um, As he succeeds. I'm sure we won't hear anything about that. Um. So. He was gonna fight. It was funny because in my notes last week uh, about him, I was gonna. Yeah, was he, had writing, to, he had to. They had to change opponents. Yes, right? yes. I wrote. I, I last week before he his opponent even canceled. I wrote his next victim, um, and now that is really the case because this guy has no. He was a minus fourteen hundred favorite against Treshawn Gore, who is a who has been. He, he's had a couple UFC fights. He he was in the Ultimate Fighter last season. Um, Bull Nickel was still gonna kick his ass, uh, but now he is. Yeah, it looks like it's going mm, out. Cars. Boy, hold on. I'm still holding it's, on to this little It's trying, bit. but it, it, that's not lighting the room, dog. Like, I'll tell you what, we're smoking. I mean, if you need, like, up. five minutes worth of of a light. I, I'm not going to do it right now, but I, w- I do wonder, like, what if you put, like, three of them right next to each other, like, together? And try to create a giant Just a, giant <laughs> just a big You candle. say you're not going to do it now. Like, you're not itching no. to do it right I'm not, now. I'm you not I'm itching. It's, it it's desperate. It's like, all right, I'll see you guys uh, as soon as we, yeah, as soon as right. we end the show. All, <laughs> right, I'll see you guys next all week. he's going to do is spend his day burning candles. Yeah, right I'll send you guys a selfie later of me at the kitchen table with three of them. <laughs> Psycho. I could cook on that thing. It'd be so big. <laughs> uh, so, so now he has a new opponent. His and everybody's is... been dying for that. That crayon fused salmon is what everybody's been asking. Like, hey, hey, you hear about imagine when he yeah, wood when plank he, salmon? How about Crayola salmon? Man, starts like a a culinary uh, like, yeah, movement. Get, oh, oh, I see. Yeah, all the <laughs> hey, all the yuppie well, places in the city now are right? going to be that they're going to be instead of wood Next, plank grilled salmon, it's going to be Crayola salmon. What's that? What's that? W- Woodbury Kitchen? We're going to go there. They're like, what do you want for supper? Because they're obsessed with saying supper, and I want to strangle them every time they do. Supper. You guys looked at the supper menu yet? Like, shut up! Just be normal. You have good food. Please. There's nothing toxic in this, right, Carson? Like, <laughs> I, I actually did a lot of Google research. We got emphysema. It, it said it was, it said it was fine. Do you think we can get high off this smell? Or like, uh, oh, that would be fascinating. It's giving me a headache. Um, I got to go donate. Hang on a second. I'm supposed to donate blood today. Am I going to be allowed to <laughs> donate blood? 
after participating in this? They pull it on the sheet. They, te- they tested like uh, everything. Have you, been, have you been exposed to yellow Crayola wax recently? <laughs> just by any chance? God. Right, well, you said whatever. Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel. Yeah. So who's, yeah, who's he facing? Val Woodburn. Oh, Val Woodburn. <laughs> yeah, of course. He is Val. undefeated. Okay. Uh, he, is, he has more professional fights than Bo Nickel does. But yeah, he. So Bo Nickel went from a minus 1,400 favorite against uh, Treshawn Gore to he is now a minus 2,800 favorite. Ah, not yes. really any money so to be made. So this fight there. will. Yeah, there is no money to be oh made. Oh my here. God. I feel like I'm in. I, I told, I've been sitting right next to it the whole time. That's why I kept coughing. What the hell is going on in here? Open that door. God's really? sakes. Um, He leads off the pay-per-view, so great reason to check in. Oh, uh, my God. We're definitely going to set the smoke alarms off, aren't we? We're going to end up having to evacuate the building. Because there's no smoke alarm in here. Jesus Christ. Is there a window somewhere we can good. open? I think we're good. Oh, God. It's, All right. It's cooled off now. All right. Anything else quickly? Um, from that? Yeah, Robert Whitaker, Drikus. Well, actually, all right, let me go back to the uh, the other title fight. Brandon Moreno and Alexander Pantoja. This is actually the third time they've fought. Uh, and Mor- the- Moreno, he is coming off the quadilogy, I guess you call it, with uh, Divas and Figueredo at 125 flyweights. Is it a quadilogy or is, is it, it a quadrilogy? Is it quadrilogy? I would I think because it, like you're a quadrillionaire. Trilogy. Oh, okay. Like, I would think they'd be a quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. Uh, he is a favorite, though, to defend the flyweight belt against Alexander Pantoja, but this should be a pretty good fight. I think I think Moreno should win. Um, I mean, he's just got more ways to win. He's, he's, a, he's a great grappler. He's, he's got great BJJ, so he can go to the ground. He's submitted Davis and Figueredo. What? Just thinking about <laughs> walking up to a young lady and saying, hey. Got great BJJ? Good BJJ. Yeah. Um, Pantoja's good, <laughs> good striker though, uh, so he'll be able to challenge Moreno on the feet, and we'll see. Uh, and uh, we'll see what happens here. But Moreno is the favorite minus two ten. I like him to uh, to defend his belt. All right, you're well. losing me. Move on to something. All right, moving on to Robert Whitaker and Drakus Duplessis. I think this Just, this is where yeah. this is the this is a middleweight uh, title eliminator, pretty much. Uh, Whitaker is a big favorite against uh, Duplessis, who is from South Africa. The winner, if well. Duplessis, if he wins, he should get the next shot against Israel Adesanya at middleweight. Okay. Um, but he's a plus three hundred underdog right now, and I think Whitaker does win. Whitaker's lost to Izzy twice already, so maybe that kind of opens the door for Sean Strickland, who did win last week against Abus Magomedov. Um, so just interesting. Uh, you could see how the how the cards fall here at the middleweight. Um, and then Robbie Lawler is also on this fight card. Uh, the the future UFC Hall of Famer. Is he is he a pro doing some pro wrestling now too? Is he? I he might be. I mean that maybe I'm hoping this is his last UFC fight. I mean he he did not look good. What's going on over there? What's happening? Know. Did you did oh, you look oh, at some oh, pornography? Yeah. No 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 it's uh, I have ESPN open on this computer uh, and uh, they like to play random. It's stuff. Tom Lawler that I was thinking of that's uh, doing Tom pro Lawler. wrestling. Yes. Not um, Lawler. But yeah, Robbie Lawler is a great U.S. one of the greatest yeah, UFC fighters ever. Sure. Uh, the great fight with Roy McDonald. Um, he has uh, not looked good though he, over the last. He's won in his last six fights. He's won. He's won one of his last six fights. He fights Nico Price. Nico Price will win this okay. one. All right, here's uh, you I have. You're, I have my you're, bet. You're you're running into the thing that I warned um, Charles Charles about a yeah. few times. You care. Well, I'm trying to explain why Robbie Lawler is a great. You got You got to do. You got to do it more. You got to be more perfunct. He is the featured prelim, so this one is available for free on ABC and ESPN. Uh, right, probably around 9:30. This one of the prelims on ABC too. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. It is interesting. Um, he fights Nico Price. He will probably lose, uh, and uh, hopefully goes into retirement. Nice, nice little spot. You know, primetime television on on national TV. I think it'll be a. It sh- I hope it, it it goes that way, and he doesn't. You know. 
look like a bloody mess after after he okay. loses. Okay. Uh, and my bet for I'm going to give you a parlay. There's a lot of heavy favorites on this card, like up and down the card. So it's a little it's a little tougher to find you know like one specific bet. But I have a three leg parlay for you. Uh, the fight right before Robbie Lawler, Jack Della Maddalena out of Australia. He is a big favorite against Josiah Harrell, another short notice uh, guy. So I like Jack Della Maddalena to if you go into double chance. So you can do knockout or points. You get Jack Delamadalena down to minus 380. So I like that Delamadalena to get the knockout or win on the scorecards. And then parlay that with Nico Price against Robbie Lawler. I don't see any really route to victory for Robbie Lawler. He has looked very slow in his last few fights. So Nico Price minus okay. uh, 280 right now on FanDuel. And then parlay that with Alexander Volkanovsky straight up minus 400. And then you get some uh, odds. You get some plus odds plus 114. Okay. So All right. There you go. I like that parlay Chance for to make you. some money. Yep. Yep. All right. And uh, boxing wise, not a whole lot this uh, this this weekend. Uh, Jared Anderson did win over the former Anthony Joshua opponent Charles Martin last week. Um, Canelo and Jermel Charlo announced their fight for September 30th. Um, and Deontay Wilder continues to call it Andy Ruiz. Uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen though. But he did announce that a fight with Anthony Anthony Joshua will definitely happen. Uh, it's not like you know set in stone yet. But he said his words were a fight with Anthony Joshua will definitely okay. happen in December. All right, well that's so that cool. is on the horizon for the heavyweights. The uh, the the the, the big story that, that was floating around this week was that there's going to be a Naganu Fury exhibition, which yeah, is just exactly. gross. That, so that would, I didn't even want to mention like, that. Like, get the entire F out of here with that. That would be very uh, disappointing God, if they call it an wretched, exhibition. Wretched. Um, off. Well, I mean, I again, this goes back, You, it, it wouldn't matter. The, stop I mean, thinking that Nagano should be boxing. Stop that. If he wants to box for the for funsies. Give him, give him some cans first. Get, like, go box somebody that's not good, right? Like, yeah. this, this is nonsense. It's all nonsense. It's not what you are. It's not what you do. It's cash grab. It stinks. I hate it. I'm never going to change my mind about that. Right. There you go. Yeah, I hope Yellow that... Uh, clouds. All right. Very good. Thank you. UFC 290. Should yes, be great this weekend. That, that does, it is a legitimate card. No yes. question about that. Up and down. Exciting fights. All right, when we come back in, we'll get a tidbit, and we'll get two bit to wrap it up for a Thursday edition of GCR. In. Oh boy. Oh boy. We are, if anything, we are always prepared. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. It starts on the 14th with our big hitter bobblehead, Connor Norby, for the first 750 fans. Saturday sees our special circus night with post-game fireworks. And Sunday features the Kobe Mayo Squish Pillow with special ticket package. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. 
Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of AJ Michaels, your character your energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at ajmichaels.com. That's ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know what's on Grindr or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, back in here on GCR as we are winding down for a Thursday edition of the program. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. I'll try to give you a couple of Wimbledon tidbits today. Okay. Uh, Joker, he became the third player in tennis history, male or female, to win 350 major matches in singles. He joins these two. 350? 350 mat- uh, wins and you said in a major. It, it was three other players? Uh, yeah, he's the third. So he's two the more. third. Okay, so there's two more. Um, Roger Federer. He is one of them. Um, I mean, like everybody would assume it's Nadal, but I don't think it is male or female. Right. That's why. Um, 
So now you got to do with this by Serena. It is Serena. Yeah. Federer and Serena, now Joker. Yeah. Uh, he has won 23 consecutive major matches dating back to uh, last Wimbledon in 2022. And with his win over Jordan Thompson at center court yesterday, uh, Joker has won 40 straight center court matches. It is the longest streak by any male or female since uh, it opened back in 1922. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, his last loss on center court was in 2013, too. To, yeah, to Murray. Yep, Andy mm-hmm. Murray. Uh, the Braves will send a franchise record eight when Murray players. won Wimbledon for the first yes, time. Yes, 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Braves are sending eight players to the All-Star game next week, which is the most by a National League team since the 2008 Cubs, and they sent eight players. Can you name yeah, one of them? Uh, Giovanni Soto. Giovanni Soto is one of them. Just thinking, oh eight cups, man. Nothing random. Well, is I was gonna, there? I was gonna say Zambrano, but I settled on he is Soto. One of, Zambrano is a, was also one of them. What in the world? Carlos Zambrano threw a no hitter that year. He did throw a no hitter. Was, was that after, the year that he threw the ball into break. center field? I don't know when that no, was. That was Bauer. Alfonso Soriano. Alfonso Soriano was one of them. You want to try to name all eight? <laughs> um, Wait, this was not the tidbit, but I, I wanted to see Soto's if you knew Fuka, Fukudomi? Yeah. Is that how what you say in it? the yeah. world? Is it Kosuke? Yeah, Kosuke Fukudomi. Kosuke Fukudomi. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that was his one good year, 2008. We got pitchers on there. How many pitchers we got? There are five pitchers. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, Kerry Wood. Dempster. Kerry Wood. Kerry. Ryan Dempster. Yeah. We got some Brano. There's two more. Uh, there's actually one more position player, one more reliever. Okay, position uh, I don't even remember this guy was. I didn't even remember this guy was a Cub uh, in 2008. Jeff Samarja, not Jeff Samarja. Uh, the position player did not remember he was Price. A cub. Something Price. No, no Price. No Price. Did not remember the position player was a Cub. Yeah, I was gonna say a Ramos Ramirez. It is a Ramos. Nice. I remember him being a Cub. I do not remember him. I remember him as a Pirate. Really? And a Brewer. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm, fair. And then the closer. I guess he was the closer that year. Wasn't Dempster? It was not Dempster. Maybe he was the setup man then. I don't know. But uh, I guess I'll give it to you, Carlos Marmol. Okay, we. I wouldn't yeah. have. In fairness, uh, I would have Ad- never gotten. Adley picked up another multi-hit game versus the Yankees last night. He now has 25 hits in 18 games versus the Yankees. Uh, he's got a long way to go, but it got me thinking about you know long-time Yankee uh, killers for the Orioles. So I want to know if you can name uh, who has the most hits against the Yankees all time for the Orioles. And I mean, we could you know you should get like you know everyone, but let's do the top five. Top five Orioles with the most hits. Cal Ripken. He is not number one, but he is number two. Okay. Say Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray is not in the top five. Yeah, I mean, Brooks is more likely. Brooks is number one, yep. 306 more hits. More games, yeah. more opportunity. Against the New York Yankees, Cal had 257. The only two Orioles with 200 or more hits against the Yankees. And they also didn't start playing unbalanced schedules until later, so it's possible that, like, I'm going to say Nick Markakis might have screwed it up. He is third on the list, yeah. Nick Markakis. Because that's in the unbalanced schedule era. Yeah. Um... About Brady Anderson. Brady Anderson is just outside of the of that. Eh, he's a little outside the top ten. One hundred sixteen. Brian hits. Roberts. Brian Roberts. He is sixth on the list. <laughs> of course he is. One hundred seventy six. Tahada. It's um not Mikel Tahada. Uh, Tahada one hundred nine. Ken Singleton. Ken Singleton not in the top ten. Didn't have his long. Just outside the top ten, along with Brady Anderson. Adam Jones. Adam Jones is fourth on the list. One hundred eighty seven hits against the New York Yankees. Number five on this list is 
I mean, we can say Frank. I don't think it's Frank. It's Just didn't Frank. have the opportunities. Frank had 114 yeah. right alongside, uh, alongside Al Brum- Bumbry and How about Andrew Anderson. That? It's an opportunity thing. Uh, Would be before. Stop. Okay. Stop it. God, keep it in your pants. Raphael Palmero. Not Palmero. He is not in the top 10. Palmero, he's quite a bit down. 99. That's only 99. I mean, again, opportunity. Yeah. It was only only so many years. Let's try Melvin Mora. Melvin Mora is rounds out the top 10. He had 134. Boog Pal. Boog Pal is fifth on the list. 182. Glenn got that one solo. That was yeah. solo. Boog Pal, Adam Jones, Nick Marcakis, Cal, and Brooks. The five most hits against the Yankees. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Those guys have amongst the most hits in Orioles history, so that's not all that surprising. All right, very good. That was tidbit. Tubular. By the way, this is my friend Brandon blowing me up because... You got another uh, show? No, th- this is about my love of Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, you like vampire. I, it's not that I like vampire. It's like I like everything that she's ever done. She's unreal. Okay, let's... Okay, let's... My God. I don't know that anyone's ever had this type of heater. Like, whatever these women think Taylor Swift is doing, Olivia Rodrigo is... By, there's this embarrassing story in the New York Times this week about how vampire is... Uh, Olivia Rodrigo's version of Dear John, and like, dude, this is so much better than Dear John. It, like, we are there are people that are obsessed with the universe surrounding Taylor Swift. Like, everything is Taylor Swift. This music is so much better. I don't know how to describe it. Brandon's beef is uh, like the last record that like that song that sounded exactly like Paramore, but like they didn't give it credit. Like. You gotta give credit when you're you're ripping people off. I'm like, all music is ripping somebody off these days. Yeah, at this point, like we're at the point where you can't make music without it ripping somebody off. So either you're ripping off yourself and just making the exact same song that you made the last time, like or the, yeah, I mean, like then that's fine. I don't have any beef with that. Like it, when somebody says, oh, "This just sounds like every other record," like, "Oh, it doesn't sound good," because then it, I'm good. Like every ACDC album has sounded exactly the same, and you know what? They're all amazing. <laughs> Every single one of them. I don't have a problem with it. But otherwise, it's almost impossible for a song not to sound like something else that's come out before because there's a billion... Like, you can't invent new music these days. It just doesn't work that way. So it's not going to be a problem for me. Like People who met mock bands be like, Muse just wants to sound like Queen. I'm like, what are they supposed... Do you, would you prefer that they try to sound like that crappy cover band at the bar that you go see on Friday nights? Yes, they want to sound like Queen. You know why? Queen was really good. <laughs> what are we doing here? Glenn just loves Olivia Rodrigo. Olivia Rodrigo is insane. It's insane how good her music is. I, I don't... To call her an industry plan. They can call her whatever they want to call her. You like the music. The music is ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Dear John is meandering. It exists. It's just melodic. That's all it is. And if you care deeply about Taylor Swift and like, this is part of her story, then you care. But the song itself is nothing. It is a giant ball of nothing. We need a rap battle between Taylor and Rodrigo. I don't care. It's not a battle. I can hear the music. Taylor Swift made some good music for a little while. I don't know why she chose to stop doing that. I don't know why it is people continue to pretend like she was still making good. Like Like, the Taylor Swift's career arc is dreadful. Really good, mid as hell. Dreadful. 
Like dre- that, those original dreadful. like country songs are some of the most forgettable, awful songs I ever heard in my life. Yeah, I mean, I don't choose to listen to terrible. It, but, like- but then all of a sudden, she went on a heater and put out banger after banger. Like, dude, I, I I can be a hater all I want. If I hear we are never getting back together, I'm gonna sing along. It's a great song. And then she said, I want to be a folk artist now, and she stinks. It's terrible. But yet, because we adopted Taylor Swift and that Kanye West made fun of her. We we can't, ju- we as a society we're not allowed to say that Taylor Swift's music now is bad. We're not allowed to do that. The 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 one song is okay. The what the anti hero song. It's okay. It's yeah, okay. Sorry. Everything else largely very bad. Yeah. But that's her arc, and yet we pretend like she's made this like incredible history of just great music, and it's not remotely true. This girl is an album and a song in, and hasn't missed yet. Yet now. Lots of time. Song, yeah. I get it. How old is she? Lord had a hell of a start. To Lord's like first album and a couple 20. songs. Yeah, I was to say she's yeah. she's, she's very young. young. She's young, no question about it. Lord had a very similar start. Lord came out like, of the gates. Lord, she was came out guns blazing, flying, flying. Even the first taste of her second album, you were like, dude, this girl. Like, n- n- it didn't get the same play, but that song. Green and she was like, she was like sixteen well, was, when, when yeah. she came out too. Right? What? What song did I like? What you say? I didn't say anything about you liking no, anything. I, I said right, the green song light. Green oh, Light green by lights. Lorne oh. I like that one. is incredible. Yeah, sure. Give me the green light. I want it. Dude, that song is amazing, but could not keep up. That's a hell of a pace to try to keep up with, and she was not able to keep up with that pace. She I'm started saying, number one on the charts. I understand. I understand. I'm not saying that Olivia Rodrigo's got 10 to 15 years of this in her. This is absurd. But it is fastball after fastball after fastball right now. It's insane. Blood sucker fame. I'm like, God damn. And who knows if she has anything to do with it or is just some guy. That's like, I, if, that it, if she's songs. an industry plant, I yeah. don't care. The music is insane. It is bat s insane how good the music is. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I like Roger. She's 20 years old for her. For the record, my buddy Brandon's like, yeah, but you know, she's gonna have to go back and retroactively thank the credit somebody else. So she's like, coming who to the cares. She's coming to the arena. Is that what's happening? No. My, what does that have to do with anything? I'm just well, talking about. I was tweeting and and Facebooking about uh, okay. Facebooking. Uh, Olivia Rodriguez. Soon to be only Facebooking. Facebooking. Uh, second. What is what is what and, is and then, and, then what's the, and then blue sky. He says, "I'm waiting to see who else Olivia Rodrigo ripped off for this one. It's good, but she has to. She's had to retroactively credit other people on her biggest hits thus far. And it's not like quote, yeah, hey, I love I mean, this '80s song and let's do something cool.' Unquote. It's like a Taylor Swift song from four years ago. Her music is better than Taylor Swift. Anyway, I guess we just. I guess he gets mad when you say her music. Just say the song is great. Who cares? Who cares? She well, is yeah. the artist well, yeah. that is making well, the music. Brandon cares. Why does he care? <laughs> Would you rather she make bad music? Because Taylor Swift put an album out a couple years ago, and everybody said it was good. If you want to listen to bad music, you can go listen to that. They gave it album of the year at the Grammys, which is embarrassing. God, it wasn't in the top thousand folk albums that came out that year. It was mid-AF. Want somebody to make bad music because it's original? God bless. Or somebody can make music that maybe they're ripping somebody up. If it's good, God bless them. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. All right. All right. Here's what's coming up. They're totally tubular. I'm going to fight with somebody about Olivia Rodrigo because she's amazing. I'd watch that. I'd tune in. God. What are we doing trying to knock somebody for being good at music? Well, I guess that's, that's everyone's problem is that maybe it's... Go suck. Yeah, that's what they want you to do. Go make awful music. 
We're good. We have enough. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Uh, Orioles do try to salvage a split of this four-game set with the Yankees. Kyle Bradish, Luis Severino, the pitching matchup tonight at 7 on Masson. Um, Francis Tiafo still to come today at Wimbledon. What am I watching right now? Ah, oh, Sloane Stevens. Oh, she gave the break back in the second set. That's who sucks. is she playing? Donna Vekic. Vekic. It's Severino uh, bobblehead night tonight. I'm pretty sure. Luis Severino bobblehead. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss it. Um, yeah. It, it, check, check the trains. Wimbledon coverage continues. <laughs> uh, it's, Do, it's TFO playing Dominic Stevens Stricker today. Uh, the rest of the baseball find at glennclarkradio.com. Round one of the John Deere at 4 o'clock on Golf Channel. Really? Uh, apparently, uh, uh, Caitlin Clark was playing in the Pro-Am yesterday, really? and it was like a mob scene because that's she it's out in golf. Iowa. Uh, the one drive that they showed, like, she piped it. Like, it yep. was nuts, but I don't know if she played well or not. She's awesome. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Seattle Storm, Connecticut Sun at 7 on Amazon Prime. Uh, Summer League on ESPN2 and NBA TV. Access TV for Impact Wrestling at 8. Some non-sports highlights. A big night for Kevin Hart on Peacock. It is season 3 of his talk show, Heart to Heart, coming out on Peacock. I didn't know there was a season 1 or 2. And then it is also his comedy special, uh, Reality Check with Kevin Hart. That is also on Peacock tonight. Unfortunately, I think I'm past Kevin Hart at this point. Uh, Netflix has this really, I, I mean, it looks dumb to me. It's called The Lincoln Lawyer. It's They're on season two, apparently. But it is a... That was a movie. The Lincoln Lawyer. Did you not know that? No. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Well, this one's like, he he's... Well, I, I'm going to guess they're related. What's the movie about? I don't know. I never saw it. Is, is, is it about Abe Lincoln? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. So this guy, he, has a, he runs a, a, a law practice out of his Lincoln car. 2011. That's what the, is that the movie? Defense about? lawyer who works out of his Lincoln. Yes. Was that a good movie? I never watched it. To well, be apparently, they did a show, and it looks dumb to me. Anyway, season two of that. It was a Netflix. McConaughey movie. McConaughey I don't know why I never the watched the Lincoln Lawyer. Ryan Felipe, Josh. Oh, it had every attempted heartthrob of the 2000s. <laughs> Uh, Marissa Tomei, oh, John Leguizamo, okay. hell of a cast. Not attempted. Marissa Tomei was well. That was that was going back before, a little bit yeah. earlier. Yeah, John Leguizamo definitely heartthrob. Yeah, correct. Everybody knows that. Uh, Sean White has a oh noted heartthrob. Why? What a cast. Brian Cranston, William H wow. Macy. Why in the f did I never watch the Lincoln Lawyer? Okay, so check out the movie, not the show. Yeah. Um, Sean White, the last run uh, dot docu series <coughs> on Max. Okay. Uh, is to is comes out today. Uh, and then on Adult Swim, My Adventures with Superman, new series at, on Adult Swim. I'm not sure why it's on Adult Swim, but it's an animated show with uh, Superman. It looks kind of interesting. I don't know. They show more of the Clark Kent side, which is why people are excited about it. If you say so. Yes. And then the Blacklist on NBC. Okie dokie. Yeah. All right. That it? That is it. Very good. Um, thanks today to Tim Susnara. Thanks to Al Bumbry. Thanks to Colton Kowser's dad, Dale. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. And tomorrow... Stuff and things. Preview O's twins. Will we, though? We will. will One way or another. Okay. Stan will be here tomorrow. Got that going for us. Yikes. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, Live Casino and Hotel, Glory Days Grill, Dorchester County, Bowie Bay Sox, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, All-American Lacrosse, Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, Easy Pass, Maryland, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Carson at Carson Ware with an I. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks.